The following podcast is proudly brought to you by Vite Ramen. Use the link in the description and use offer code BROKENSILICON to get 10% off tasty, healthy, and easy-to-make ramen. And also use the offer code BROKENSILICON to get 25% off Windows keys and die shrink to get 3% off everything else on the website at cdkeyoffer.com. Now on with the show. Silicon, a gaming hardware podcast. I am your host, Tom, and uh, yeah, I don't have anything witty to say at the beginning of this episode, actually, I think. Um, I'll let you introduce yourself. Dan. Very smooth, very natural. <laughs> that, that, that was my intent. That's why I decided to go with the delay and stilted uh, pronunciation of my name, because I just wanted it to sound... I wanted it to flow well. You know? Right, and I, it has to be deliberate because I did like an overly dramatic point at your face in the camera when I did that because I knew the way I was leading into you was weird. And I'm like, I'm, I have to point at him so he knows that this, but, but you still just decided to have the awkward pause. So that's good. Yeah. You know, I've got to say, looking over the notes, you know, as I was preparing them for this episode today... I it's I put out two massive like 40 minute videos in the past two weeks and I would say that's good because if it wasn't for the massive Intel leak especially and then all of these Zen 4 bickering I don't know how much we'd have to talk about today to be honest it does make me wonder if sometime in the near not near future but sometime in the future there's just going to be like a 30 minute episode or something where it's like Sorry, guys, there just wasn't news in the past two weeks. I mean, I guess there would have been, like, as as people will see when we get to it, like, a, a little bit of an update on, like, Lovelace release dates and the RX 6700, which is kind of a funny out-of-left-field card that seems to be coming out. But So I think we would have minimum 70 minutes. But, yeah, I mean, we've always said this is why we do news episodes every two weeks. And then we have a guest episode in the middle so that there's always a full episode, which for me, a full podcast episode in this sort of a format is over an hour, Yeah, you know, and, and, and it has to be over an hour of interesting subjects like Arrow Lake. It can't be, oh, guys, main story this week, DisplayPort 2.0 coming to RDNA 3. I don't think we need a 10 minute discussion about that. Story number seven. It's still hard. To buy some laptops. Yeah, I don't think we need that. Um, and and you can see that some websites are grasping at straws, though, because, like, and I had this sent to me when I put out my, which we'll get to it, like, five times in this, my Intel leak. Like, someone's like, why are you being negative? I don't know. Raichu on Twitter confirmed, like, 15%, up to 15% higher single-threading performance with Raptor Lake. I'm like, up to 15%. You mean what I said three months ago? Why is this getting covered? Like, we know. We know what Raptor Lake has been, is going to be for about a year, in fact. I would even argue my last Raptor Lake update, well, I guess my last last, because now I have another one out, um, wasn't even that. It was just more detailed version of what we've, I think, known about Raptor Lake for a year. Yeah. But, yeah, um, yeah so, I don't know. I guess let me then get to some of the opening reader mails. 
Sarcastro writes in and he says, Tom and Dan, now that the verdict is in for Depp versus Heard, can we get back to gaming and computer hardware talk already? Dan, stop being such a gossip. Yeah, I'm sorry I bring that up with every story. I don't know why I do that, but, you know, I think it's interesting. Yeah, you, I will say I, I, it's obviously a joke question. <laughs> it does highlight how little we veer off subject, honestly, outside of the normal intro warming up banter, because I've had some of the podcasts I'm listening to for absolutely no r- reason start talking about Johnny Depp and Amber Heard for about 30 minutes. <laughs> Yeah, I I don't think the podcast needs 30 minutes of Heard v. Depp talk, but, you know, let us know in the comments. Um, yeah. I don't think we'll record a podcast on it either way, but you can let us know. I guess you can let us know because maybe more comments will help the algorithm, but I'm just going to give you guys a spoiler alert. We are not doing a die shrink on that. I cannot <laughs> find a even a forced way to connect that to gaming hardware. Oh, it'd be funny if I did, though. Like, this is, and then I, like, put it out on the day that there was the verdict. Like, because there's so many different channels that find ways to clickbait the latest headlines into somehow being part of what their channel talks about. And you know what's rendered on uh, PCs, Tom? Movies that we watch with Star, Amber Heard, and Johnny Depp. Yes. I mean, there you go. That's probably the closest connection we could find. Um, Spamdom Neil writes in and he says, I figured out how many slots the Ampere Next Next coolers are going to be if history is to be believed and hinting at the future. The 2080 Ti reference cooler was two slots. The 3090 reference cooler is three slots. The difference is 50% between those, or three and two, or 33% if you are AMD. From leaks, the top Lovelace reference cooler is 4.5 slots. Um... I would double down on four or on four slots. I'm not 100 percent sure if it's 4.5. I know AIB coolers are that thick though. But um, he goes, which is again 50 percent more than three. So yeah, I guess from the AIB perspective, maybe. But I don't know. But he's saying, assuming this is true and is a trend, do you guys think Ampere next next or what Blackwell will have 6.75 slot air coolers? Uh, I mean, I guess it depends on if it's a parabolic or linear curve. So if it's linear, it's going to be five. I mean, uh four right but it's no five if it's parabolic from four if we we get four with amp with lovelace yeah so depending on how it goes yeah it's somewhere between six and seven tom (laughs) (laughs) you know brick i I just wonder what the limit will be because it's funny how much we've joked about the 3090 being the size of a series x which in reality i think it's about as tall as a series x and in one direction x or Mm -hmm. y direction not z it's like kind of the same width but then in the other direction it's not quite as thick i think if it goes to four slot it might quite literally be as big or bigger than a series x though at that point i have to imagine that's it right we, we're not going to we're not go, i mean joking aside we're not going to six slots right i think four is the max you can make a card be and i think i think three is pushing it honestly. well i think five is the max because i think we will see five slot coolers dan I, okay, four. Maybe in a that's standard, splitting hairs. I, four you know. in a standard design. Maybe uh, there will be some. I don't know. Eight fans, six, uh, blo- six slot AIB design or something. But <laughs> I think what's more likely instead of eight fan is you just have three or four fans, and they're just like super long, like medieval, like vertical windmills. Do you know what I mean? Like that, like kind of like really tall version of a fan, 
like you know, oh, like, yeah, yeah. not like one slot of fan, but like three slot fans. <laughs> if you, I think that's a good way to describe it because we've saw Asus experiment with that in Fermi cards, and they didn't sell well at all because back then everyone lied to themselves they were going to end up getting an SLI system eventually. But now it's not even for that. It's because now we're using double the energy. Well, you know, maybe it would be good if people went back to lying to themselves that they're going to make an SLI system. So uh, we only get two and three slot cards. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. All right. Let us move on then to corrections and emissions. John W. writes in and he says, hi, Tom. From my understanding, when I went through college in my RF class, radiation is a general term for RF EM waves being emitted. When talking about harmful radiation, when the frequency or amplitude of power increases, it becomes more harmful to living cells. For example, a microwave emits approximately 2.4 gigahertz pulse at 800 to 1500 watts, depending on the model. An easy way to look at the higher the frequency, like 10 to the 18th power hertz range, i.e. X-rays in wa- above wavelength is getting short enough or power is high enough that it is more likely the energy from the source is transferred to a cell, the more likely the bonds in the cell can be broken. Okay. So, da, 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 da. right. And so this is in reference to a part of the discussion I had with the Oculus engineer, kind of talking about what types of radiation can hurt you. But honestly, John, I'm in, I'm in a level with you here. I wish you would have added on a bit more about what your overall conclusion is. On if strapping a full VR device that has self-contained processing power can hurt you or give you brain cancer. I would say, just uh, my two cents, I would think if it's not UV, probably not. (laughs) But... Well, I mean, there are studies, Dan, that came out that early cell phones, they think, gave a lot of early business people brain cancer. No? Uh, I think there might be something I would like to see the white types of wavelengths those things were emitting. I doubt it would be UV, but... Well, no, that's my point, and that kind of misses the point of what he's saying, to bring up UV. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I, I don't know if there's some way a radio wave can cause cancer. As far as I've heard, no, but... I don't well, know. I think the most important point brought up by the Oculus engineer is what is this thing emitting near your head that you're not already getting from everything around you, right? Are cancer rates up? Yes, but most scientists seem to think that's from plastics that we're exposed to, actually not Wi-Fi or any of these cell phone signals. And why would putting a VR device on your head that emits a Wi-Fi signal be any worse than the hundreds of Wi-Fi devices going through your head constantly in every building and neighborhood you walk around in? Is it because you're closer to it? If so, it's probably not the signal itself. It's probably some other radiation being emitted from the chip. Yeah. So, and that would correspond with the higher power, less efficient, higher radiation emitting chips that people got cancer from from early cell phones. So... All right, enough of the corrections and omissions. Let us get to story number one, AMD AM5 motherboard pricing. And I have a little write-up here for this. At the beginning of Tom's Zen 4 IPC update video, there was a fairly important overview of AM5 motherboard pricing that has since been added onto in tweets. In summary, AMD designed X670 through B650 motherboards to be more economical to produce than X570 and B550. In fact, there will be a link in the description. People would be good to remember that B550 motherboards cost $150 to $300 at launch. The PROM21 chipsets to be used in the launch AM5 motherboards are way cheaper and more importantly, arguably, 
far lower energy than the Zen 3 IO die derived chipsets that were used in X570. So, so cheap, in fact, that two Prom 21 chipsets used in XX70 and XX70 Extreme cost less than a single X570 chipset. Therefore, if minimal redrivers and retimers are used in boards that decide they don't need PCIe 5.0 support and thus don't need to keep higher signal integrity to integrity and can just use PCIe Gen 4 to be good enough, B650 boards are capable and confirmed by Tom, the one talking here, to cost below $150 even at launch, which is worth mentioning because B550 was $150 or higher at launch. And already at launch, we're getting cheaper than that B650 motherboards from what I've seen. B650 boards then should generally cost between $130 to $230, which again is less than the 300 top cost that we had with B550. And B650 Extreme will generally be a bit more pricey, to be fair, $250 to $330, although I know of some models that have up to four Gen 5 M.2s. X670, which will bring you more I.O., but less Gen 5 support will be $270 to $350, being the general price of high-end Z690 boards. And X670E will be $300 to $400. Again, right there with other Z690 motherboards. But will but some, of course, will be $500. And there's godlike motherboards out right now for $1,000. So I can't be held accountable if someone goes insane, guys. Then there will also at the bottom eventually launch an A620 motherboard from a single disabled Prom 21 chipset for, yeah, below $100. And thus, in general, Moore's Law is that is tempted to suggest that B650 and B650E will actually have more than enough I.O. for most enthusiasts at the price you're getting X570 and B550 for right now. And while X670 Extreme won't be cheap, it seems quite a bit better than Z690 while costing the same as expensive Z690 boards. And remember, this is launch and prices are arguably better than X570 and B550 at launch. Now, I thought this was important because I think people are seeing this dual chipset thing, and they're like, this is going to be expensive. And it's like, no, they're using more chipsets to save cost. And mm -hmm. as far as I'm seeing, this is no more expensive than the X570 and B550 launch pricing. Yeah, and it's important to remember like how prices for things at least used to decrease because I was surprised to see how cheap, I mean, not cheap, how expensive all this stuff was uh, at launch based on just when I bought my X570 motherboard at like, I think I bought it for 140 bucks. I mean, obviously I bought it later, but yeah, if they can manage to launch B650 for $130 that, or some boards for $130, I think that's going to be perfectly adequate for people that are, not looking to spend $300 and just have a system that has, what, one graphics card and one, maybe even two NVMe drives? Yeah, and let me open up this file as well, because I actually have, like, sheets from motherboard manufacturers showing exact pricing, which I don't say per model, because then, obviously, someone could know who sent this to me, but... Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah, I, I, I see motherboards that go down to $120. I don't think... All, you, you should expect a ton of them to be there. And they do skimp, you know, they're, they're pretty bare bones. But still, that's cheaper than the cheapest B550 at launch. And the, the most expensive B650E does go slightly above $300. But again, uh, at, at, but not all of them do. And even some below $300, I'm seeing have four M.2 Gen 5. I mean, that's yeah. more than I expected. And I would go as far as to say... I think that's more than most people need. I mean, I don't, 
I mean, come on, guys. <laughs> right? <laughs> like, who needs more than four NVMe drives? And this is the latest one. You're future-proofed through Zen 6, probably with a B650 Extreme. Yeah, I mean, if you could run that many on B650, that's honestly getting to a point where it's almost the... Well, and B650E, I guess, would be the premium, kind of. But you're getting to premium levels of I.O. there. So, And if you're looking to just run one nvme drive which correct me if i'm wrong i'm assuming that's what most people do is run one nvme drive at this point i think people want to run one from the start and have room to put another one in later yeah and i i think some b650 will probably have room for that which you should be fine or if you're really looking to save and just have one nvme drive you can probably do that with b650 Mm -hmm. at a lower price so I don't know. I, I, I think this was an important thing to discuss because I think it highlights how competitive AMD can be from a pricing perspective if they want to be long-term with Zen mm-hmm. 4 anyways. And I think some people saw the segmentation and they were just like, oh, this is AMD getting ready to milk. And it's like, not necessarily. I mean, some motherboard makers were surely trying to do that at launch. Just like, again, there were $300 B550 motherboards at launch. But long term, they've actually got a pricing advantage against Intel for their motherboards. And I think with like the B670E, obviously, you'll probably see some motherboards milking at that range for like $450 or something stupid like that. But mm-hmm. Generally speaking, yeah, you'll probably be able to get a B650 motherboard for something that's somewhat affordable, or if you need to wait, A620 is going to come out at some point, and hopefully prices will be a little, uh, hopefully prices will decrease more this generation than they uh, have been for the past. I mean, I guess it's what, the past one generation, really, where prices have been pretty stagnant at what they launched at, maybe two? They're a bit cheaper than launch now, I would say, but in some areas, it hasn't gone that much lower. I'd say X570 has drifted down in price by like 30% over, for being honest, though, three years. <laughs> yeah, that's true. But, you know, I think prices will drift down more this generation than they previously have because... Well, they can The, now. the market is seems to be less stupid than it than it has been or well, getting to a point where it's less stupid well what people need to remember is with the launch of pcie 4.0 amd really was pushing it when they got that mm-hmm. out as an advantage is like you know but i'm glad they did because i'm using pcie 4.0 graphics cards in my zen 2 system it's awesome now they've got you know better pcbs thicker pcb layers they've got and this again, the two Prom Twenty One chipsets aren't just taking aren't just taking the I/O die and using that as a chipset anymore, which uses like twenty five thirty watts that had to have a little fan on it to cool it. Now they don't need the little fan. Those two six nanometer Prom Twenty Ones or whatever they are, they, they use like seven watts. They don't need to be actively cooled, and they're made by third parties who are adept at mass manufacturing these at a cheaper price than AMD does by themselves. So again, long term. Like, PCIe 5.0 isn't as new as 4.0 was when it came out, and Intel will have been making it in motherboards for a year. I I, I just, and and the fact that you don't need to use it in the cheaper boards means basically they can make what was equivalent to a B550 board, but for even cheaper than they can even make B550 boards. Yeah, and um, I guess I don't know how verified this is, Uh, but Zen 4 is likely going to use somewhat more power than Zen 3, correct? So... Um, 
I don't, you know, I don't know about that. I, I think okay. it, I think in the top end SKUs, they're just preparing to have higher clocked, overclocked out of the gate mm-hmm. models. But that doesn't mean, you know, with PBO, a Zen 3 chip can use 150, 170 watts already. So they're just preparing to do that from stock. And I think, I, I don't think they're, they're still going to have plenty of 100 to 65 watt SKUs, I think. I just think now on the top end, they're going to have something that pushes 170 because why not? Intel might push 300. <laughs> yeah, all that was just to say, like, hopefully the, uh, the prom, yeah, prom 21 uh, chips using less wattage. If it, you get an SKU that uses more watts, hopefully that will mostly be offset or oh. they'll be using even less energy than a previous generations at least at least on the cpu i gpu will still be uh, see about that chugging a lot of energy probably (laughs) but speaking of zen 4 power usage uh this is leading us to the next story brett summers writes and he says tom how many bags of sand does amd have and uh i suggested they had a ton after computex (laughs) and now we know officially they had so many bags of sand they had to offload some of them before their Hype got completely destroyed before Zen 4's launch. That <laughs> before lead... they prematurely were getting an F rating on their new CPUs for no reason. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll talk about that. Let me read the story. Let's, story number two. AMD Zen 4 performance update. Haters missed the forest for the trees. Well, the hullabaloo around Zen 4's performance definitely did not die down since the last news episode of Broken Silicon. Since the, in quotes as Robert Hollett called it, consternation around the greater than 15% single-threading performance claim by AMD and the 46% win by a Zen 4 engineering sample against an i9-12900K, Robert Halleck has been doing a flurry of interviews unsag-bagging their sandbagged announcement. And additionally, Moore's Law is dead and others have confirmed more deals and exhausted exhaustive videos and articles debunking the haters. In summary, first, Robert confirmed that the greater than 15% single threading performance increase statement was a bare minimum worst case scenario with four to five factors uh, taken into consideration on lower clocked SKUs. It is worth mentioning how much of an effect this can have on the better scenarios. If you look, and there will be a link in the description, of the geomean of 19% IPC increase of Zen 3 over Zen 2, some apps only saw a 9% IPC increase. <laughs> Robert also confirmed that the CPU used in the Computex presentation was running between 105 and 170 watts, not above 170 watts, like some commentators prematurely doubled down on in Twitter. And also, Robert confirmed that some apps see an above 40% multi-threading increase with Zen 4 over Zen 3, suggesting the Blender run was not heavily cherry-picked in AMD's favor, that there will be real scenarios where they're bringing an above 40% increase in multi-threading over Zen 3. Furthermore, Moore's Law is dead confirmed in a video, the same one where I leaked the X670 X670 extreme pricing, that the IPC is now stated or can now be confirmed to be between 7 and 9% higher overall. And this is in fact backed up by another article from Skyjuice of Angstronomics, who said that you can expect around a 7% IPC increase in single threading and a 10% higher IPC increase in multi-threading. Zen 4 shit should also hit above 5.6 gigahertz, possibly even 5.8 gigahertz for single core boost. And all core boost does seem to be about 20% or more higher than Zen 3. Thus, overall, 
one should expect a 20 to 30% higher single-threaded increase over Zen 3 and a 30 to 40% higher multi-threading performance increase as well over Zen 3, although some apps certainly may see up to a 50% higher multi-threading increase when AVX 512 is used. And it is worth also mentioning, there were some scenarios where I think Zen 3 brought like a 40% higher multi-threading increase over Zen 2. <laughs> so we can't rule out different scenarios like that. But anyways... And this places Zenforce performance, honestly, right about what Moore's Laws had leaked a month ago, although it is indeed mostly from clocks, not IPC. That was a mistake, but one that the haters, if they dwell on, are missing the forest for the trees with, which I do think is worth pointing out. I think people saw a few things were different, called Zen 4 a dud, and missed that it seems to actually still be about the performance, at least I expected. I'm aware there were other leakers saying you should expect like 40% higher single threading. Again, I just recommend you don't follow the people who said those. And I think some of them are still doubling down on that for some reason. But I mean, I don't know. What, what did you think about all of this? Because honestly, it wasn't until a few days ago that people stopped arguing about this crap, I would argue, I, I think. I, I mean, based on what I saw, it looks like um, what happened is AMD saw the negative perception that was quickly developing around Zen 4 and that like it was Zen 3 2 is what some people seem to think it was uh, and got Robert Halleck to do interviews like literally as fast as he could because I was looking he I think he was doing the interviews two or three days after the compute text conference so it was like it was about as fast as I think you could get an interview done like that yeah and he was on hot hardware interview by tech power up and I saw him on like a Three or four other things. And uh, Crazy Tech Lab was the other one that came up. Uh, at, I think they came out at around the same day with the as the Hot Hardware interview, where they were clearly just like debunking their own slide, <laughs> is what it seemed like they were doing, which I think we've discussed that. the mm. That one out-of-place slide is really, I think, what threw so many people off. Because if you look at the rest of the presentation, you have a... AMD CPU running at 5. Point, what 5.55 gigahertz something like that 5.52 5.52 gigahertz and a benchmark that shows a pretty impressive blender run <laughs> um versus a 12900KS and and as I think we might have discussed on a podcast uh not necessarily even the most in AMD's favor because it was a relatively short well, run. Well, let me so. jump in then and comment on that because I've seen, again, I, to use this word, Robert Halleck says, consternation around the <laughs> Blender run too, to the point that I'm a bit disappointed. Like you'd think if people were going to double down on Blender being, in quotes, AMD bias, they would look up why AMD has a bias sometimes because as Linus Tech Tips correctly points out, Intel wins Blender runs all the time, depending on the scene. So to say there's an AMD bias is actually just wrong. What it <laughs> what it is, is as Blender's setting up a render, in the beginning, it's more single-threaded dependent. Huh, what has more single-threading performance right now? Duh, Alder Lake. It is clocked 10% faster than Zen 3, and it has, it, I don't know, 10% higher single-threading. And so if you're doing a benchmark that is only like, but let's say it's below two minutes, 
right now that favors Intel because it's mostly just using the first core or two, and AMD then makes up for that in longer runs. So the fact that AMD did a run that, if I'm wrong, Dan, is below three minutes? Or it's like below, it depends on, I think, which It was a four-minute run, about. Right, and usually AMD wins when it's over like five minutes or something. So, so the fact that AMD chose the average run of between them should tell you that their single threading is not that is not really behind Alder Lake anymore. And they didn't win by ten percent; <laughs> they won by forty six percent, guys. So you should expect this to, at a minimum, beat Alder Lake single threading if they were able to do that. I would say, yeah. <laughs> so. I, I just think uh, the biggest takeaway from this story, honestly, is the damage control AMD felt that they needed to do by saying, no, we were we were saying, not officially saying it, but kind of just saying, no, we were sandbagging here <laughs> because they're not sure on, or they didn't say this, so we're to some degree guessing like that because they're not sure on final performance um, and they don't want to show their full hand to Intel. Exactly. And very, very importantly as well, they literally don't know their SKU list yet. I know they've had samples, and I tweeted this, that were hitting 5.8 gigahertz a few months ago. Actually, I think it was over a few months ago, but like that's when I knew of it happening for a bit of time. And Skyjuice of Angstronomics says that he knows of samples hitting 5.85 gigahertz. So that's two people. And by, and I and I know that Angstronomics knows some. You know, he leaked some stuff about Mendocino before I did. That was really specific. Where I was like, "Well, this guy clearly has some good sources." Uh, he beat me to the punch on that. So I don't know that I would use the word trust, but he's someone who has good sources. As far as I can tell, I think Angstronomics has published three articles, and they're already getting cited a ton. So yeah, and they're home runs. <laughs> good. <laughs> Good right. job, So he's doing, and that's why I promoted him on Twitter. I'm like, well, if there's a Twitter leaker to follow, it's this guy, please. But instead of some others. But yeah, I mean, the point being, it doesn't matter if AMD knows some of their samples can hit 5.8 gigahertz right now. It doesn't matter if they have some engineering samples that are beating Alder Lake by 40% or more, and they have some that can seemingly get all of their cores to 5.2 gigahertz now. They don't know how many at what core counts at what volume will hit 5.8 gigahertz. They don't know how many at what volume at what core counts will be able to boost all of those cores to 5.2 to 5.5 gigahertz. What they know is they can generally do that. And that's what they showed. And so if they're going to put a slide up that says a single threading performance increase, they're going to literally do a number that can't be wrong and then probably yeah. still adjust it down a little so they don't mislead investors because they're kind of the opposite of Intel in that regard when it comes to misleading investors. Well, I, I and I do have to say, I, I think generally speaking, AMD hasn't been terrible about press conferences where they show a misrepresentative or non-representative sample of uh, of like games or benchmarks whenever they show them off at one of these conferences. I mean, obviously, I think in the uh, RDNA 2 uh, revealed, I think they showed, I, I can't even remember, like that extreme overclocking mode or something and uh, enabled uh, against the 6900 XT to pump up their numbers a little bit. But they were honest about what they were showing, generally speaking. And I think they generally show a fair swath of benchmarks when they show several yeah i mean i don't know where this has come from where people go amd never sandbags i'm like what i mean i don't want to beat a dead horse i think we've already kind of had that discussion but i mean again guys they 
they literally like almost they almost literally always sandbag. They did with RDNA two. They did with Zen one, Zen two, Zen. What the? What are you smoking? What has happened to people's me- something? Because your memory has been affected. I, I think they are in a position where they almost have to sandbag in order to mm. not have channels uh, overemphasize or pump up like what to expect from what they're they're showing, and it's mm-hmm. so it's kind of odd because you expect the usually a company will pump up their numbers a little bit and say something like, oh, it's 40% better. And in reality, I don't know, it's 30% better. It's not really that big of a distinction anyways, but they're in a position where if they say we're 50% better, somehow that will be translated on Twitter, Reddit, YouTube, and a lot of places as, so AMD's probably going to be, what, 300% better this gen? There's no doubt about it. AMD has seen the fucking absurdity of the RDNA 3 triples performance claims, and they probably got scared. And they're like, we need to do something because it's getting, this is, that we cannot have people disappointed when we over double performance or even roughly double performance. Yeah, or in this case, which CPUs, I think gains are usually a little bit more modest than GPUs at 40%. Because they actually still care about efficiency and add other things, yeah. (laughs) That's true. But the gains they're getting generally are like 20 to 40% better and a good generation, not double with GPUs. Mm-hmm. Well, and I mean, again, you know, it depends what you look at. I, Zen 4 brings, if with AVX 5.12 in multi-threading, which it clearly has some increase for more efficient hyper-threading, we're looking at up to, I think, 50% actually in some scenarios, mm-hmm. which is kind of crazy as keeping 16 cores, guys. No, that's pretty, that's very crazy, <laughs> especially with, which I, I don't know, I think short term, the lack of, not lack, but not but meager IPC gains this generation will bring are a little disappointing because if you have like a lower, if you have like a lower bend, um, I don't know, 7800X or whatever is only clocks to 5.2 or 5.1 gigahertz or something. That's a bit disappointing. But long term, the fact that they appear to have broken the 5 gigahertz wall that they seem to have hit, I think long term that's better than a big IPC increase, even though that means their lower end or mid-range CPUs will probably be not be as impressive compared to their high-end SKUs. But what that means is when they're not pushing power consumption super hard and they're in the efficiency curve which seems to be above five gigahertz still that you're gonna have phoenix apus that don't need to go to 16 cores like alder lake hx and can still bring a massive gen over gen performance increase in the 45 watt form factor yeah yeah that's true And, and this and this you know this is something i covered in that zen video which is this had to happen eventually i think people see things like net burst and bulldozer and these architectures that try to clock super high and they go, you know, what a mistake. But it's like, you know, but like NVIDIA's Pascal wasn't a mistake. They've ramped up clock speeds while keeping efficiency. They just didn't screw it up, you know, like AMD kind of did with Vega. Or RDNA 2, which mm-hmm. it, some overclocked models are pushing close to three gigahertz. <laughs> right. Like sometimes guys going for clock speed works and amd can't be afraid to pull this lever because if all they did is focus on ipc increases and maximizing the use of density to like just maybe they you know just even more cash and do they then they just say at five gigahertz it's like yeah but 
Man, you're really kind of making Zen 5 weaker that could just focus on all of this stuff with an even better node. Even if it's just N4P, you're still getting more performance. Like, is this stop preventing you from going to a generation where you have higher IPC and it could be at 6 gigahertz and actually scale the IPC to 6? It is. You have to solve the clock speed issue at some point. You have to. Yeah. And... Clock speed's nice. There are some apps that, like I pointed out earlier in this episode, for Zen 3 with the IPC, or should I really say performance per core increase, was 9%, not counting clock speed. The fact that they're getting such higher boost clocks means the, the applications that really just want clock speed are going to get that over 15% increase. It's going to be more consistent. You guys should look it up. There are some scenarios where Alder Lake, and I'm told Raptor Lake over Alder Lake, isn't gaining very much IPC at all because it just, the extra cash didn't really help. If they <laughs> could hit six gigahertz, though, it would have helped more. <laughs> higher clock yeah. speeds give you a more consistent performance increase. Um, this summer, whether you're getting exercise outside or finding ways to stay active indoors like me, it's always nice to have something around that acts as a quick and tasty meal that's also healthy, full of protein, and reasonably priced. For me, that's Vite Ramen, who is a sponsor of this piece of content. Vite Ramen is an American company that pays its workers fair wages and crafts a protein and nutrient-dense meal that takes minutes to make without sacrificing taste. In fact, it's even quicker now with Ramen Go, a product that offers the same calories and taste as their traditional V3 packages you're probably used to now if you're a follower of this channel, while allowing you to even more quickly make your food or bring it to work for lunch. And they keep updating their recipes, like the new V3 edition of Beef Pho, so you keep having fun new flavors to try. Click the link in the description and use the offer code BROKENSILICON to save 10% off a variety of different special bundles just for Moore's Laws at fans that include things like spoons, chopsticks, and more if you so choose. This is a great deal for you, and it helps support this channel tremendously. Seriously, I eat it. It's tasty. It's healthy. It's fast. They keep making even better and better recipes that are quicker and quicker to make, and it's reasonably priced. Try Vite Ramen today. QH Freddy writes him, and he says, Why is AMD suddenly revealing a lot of odds and ends over Twitter, interviews, and etc. about Zen 4? Do you think they had second thoughts about how much they say I'm back? Well, we already answered that. Yes. <laughs> or is this yeah. an intentional way of generating hype? I think another yes. Uh, I, I, I mean, I think there's a misstep there because... Oh, yeah. I don't I, think I they mean, planned to do this from the beginning. Like, the, the Robert Halleck interview doesn't have, like, a million views. It has, like, all of them together probably have around 100,000 or something. Mm -hmm. Well, and he goes, have anything, anything he said so far caught your eye? I, I would just, in particular, caught your eye. So is there anything that stood out the most to me? I mean, all of the statements we've already gone over really did. But, I mean, I think the most, the two that stake out to me the most that we haven't really dwelled on is him saying 5.5 gigahertz was easy. I just can't rule out that they're not going to have some golden binned 7950 XT at launch that pushes 170 watts but does all core 5.5 gigahertz. I've seen some people message me on Discord and go, yeah, but there's no way of that. And I'm like, well, I'm not confirming that's going to happen, but... I don't know. I, I don't think it's unfeasible. Yeah, and it's like, I, I mean, I don't know. I think I, I, I think we can at a minimum expect more than 5.5 gigahertz. I'm not going to bet on anything 
higher than that right now, but it sure as hell seems like that might be the case. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What I, and again, guys, look, I'm not saying this is going to happen because I don't, I'm, I'm actually not convinced it will, but I have to say, even if it was just one model that they, they push, even if it's above 170 Watts, let's say it's 200 Watts and it's like limited volume, the 7950 XT limited edition. And it's like 5.5 gigahertz, all core, six gigahertz, single core. I think they should do it to just hit six gigahertz before Intel. Cause that would, I mean, they've done stuff like that before with a uh, pile driver, haven't they? Yeah. I guess they technically had five gigahertz before Intel. <laughs> Yeah, that hit 5 gigahertz, right? Yeah, but then after that, everything was just Intel fanboys going, but there are memes about it, Intel fanboy, but can it hit 5 gigahertz about Zen? I think they should hit 6 gigahertz just to end that question. Even if it doesn't help, I don't just do it. Yeah, I mean, it, launching a Halo product that they sell, I don't know, almost none of or 10,000 of or something stupid, it generates buzz, at least. Yeah, I, I guess the last thing Robert said that I'd like to point out is he goes in kind of a, not a sly, but like in a confident way, like, haven't we hit or beat expectations every launch for the past five years? Can you guys just give us a little bit of the benefit of the doubt? And the guest yeah. laughed. But my answer is, I can, but I don't think the community will. So I think AMD needs to learn until they are on top for a decade straight until they've beaten nvidia overall at all performance metrics in one generation where nvidia can't touch them amd you cannot assume people will give you the benefit of the doubt because and this is the final thing i kind of want to talk about with this story my god how quick the haters were to come out on this one i could not believe how quick this happened i mean look at intel where the fuck is sapphire rapids and like Look how quick people were to attack AMD over one slide. Yeah, I mean, I don't know what else to add to that. Intel, Alder Lake is a really good CPU generation, but is Alder Lake going to be a fluke or is it going to be a new trend? I don't know. Well, we'll be getting to that soon. Yeah. Smalas writes him, Hello, Tom and Dan. I watched your recent video on how AMD is sandbagging their numbers to avoid revealing their hand angel, but I couldn't help but think, is it possible that they lowered their IPC improvements compared to what they showed at the initial reveal so they could push clocks even further? My thinking is that the clock speed is something that Intel has had over AMD for a while, and it's a much more consumer-flauntable number than IPC. This way, Intel can no longer boast about their blistering fast 5.5 gigahertz, which is something I've heard non-tech friends use as sticking points against AMD, despite relatively similar real-world performance. Um, my answer is a general no. I don't think they just go, let's turn down the IPC knob that simply. I think, you know, things are in pathfinding like three, four to three to four years before they come out. And then about two years before one to two years, 1.5 to two years before they kind of like hard lock in the design and then optimize it mm -hmm. and then test it over the final year. So the only thing I'd say is it's conceivable two years ago, they soft forked one of the designs to more focus on improvements because we've covered this. They use FPGAs to test different things you can do to increase performance. They're like, oh, well, this level of cash organized this way gave us this much more at the, you know, but if they were like, hmm, we could just save die space with this design. And if we do this, we can hit almost six gigahertz. Then maybe they did that two years ago, but I don't think there's a point where they were just like, 
dial down the IPC knob so he can turn up that clock knob? No, I think they always wanted to go for higher clock speeds here. And maybe two years ago, they minimized a couple things. But I think if they could get more IPC easily, they, they, they just would, even if it was a bit of a bigger die. Mm-hmm. Um, Bfish36 writes in and he says, Hey, Tom and Dan, or guest, with the upcoming CPU generation, if Intel prices Raptor Lake similarly to Alder Lake, that is to say, e cores seem to be given for free, which again, they, they, they basically are. The i7-12700K was launched at the same price as the 5800X. Um, do you think they'll be similar in gaming performance to the equivalent Zen 4? Do you have information on whether LGA 1700 will support Meteor Lake or, well, we'll get to that in a second, or are they planning to do the Intel thing where it's two gens with a new socket? Yeah, that, that might make <laughs> Zen 4 a better buy. So the short answer to everything there is yes, that's it's just an advantage Zen 4 is going to have. Do I think they'll have similar gaming performance, you know, or better in those areas? Yeah, I do. I think that... Intel's going to probably have an advantage in the sub 400 category if they want to in terms of pricing performance, which actually let me just jump into it then. That brings us to story number three, Raptor Lake details and release date updated by Moore's Law is Dead. Last week, Tom followed up on his massive Zen 4 through Zen 6 AMD focus leak with a corresponding Intel version. And Raptor Lake is, of course, a major part of it. In summary, Raptor Lake's Plus 8 to 15% single threading, plus 30 to 40% multi threading estimates from months ago, leaked by Moore's Law's Dead, don't really change. Think of Raptor Cove as similar to Willow Cove over Sunny Cove and Ice Lake, you know, Ice Lake to Tiger Lake. Um, higher clocks, but not a giant IPC increase. Uh, Raptor is more efficient than Alder Lake, but it will also use more energy in the top end. And that's because it uses the same node as Alder Lake. AMD has a pretty big efficiency advantage here in the SKUs they want to. Additionally, Raptor Lake does indeed use the rumored LGA 1800 uh, socket. It enables 100 dormant pins in the existing Alder Lake socket, which, guys, look it up. There's 100 dormant pins in it right now. They're just <laughs> planning for Raptor Lake. This is not for Meteor Lake, for Raptor Lake. And Z790 is launching at the end of this year. H770 and B760 are also coming later in quarter one, which on that note, let's start talking about the release dates. It does not seem like Raptor Lake is launching in quarter three really at all, even though it definitely was planning to. And in fact, a September launch is the only thing that's possible for paper launching. Raptor Lake enthusiasts, that is to say the KSKUs for desktop, seem to be slipping to quarter four. And in fact, some sources don't even really expect volume until December. Most of Raptor Lake is there as actually expected mid to late quarter one of 2023, giving AMD's Dragon Range and Phoenix Mobility SOCs a chance to bury Intel and mobile, at least on paper. Who knows about market share? <laughs> well, yeah, that's all a matter of OEMs adopting their <laughs> stuff. But So yeah, using the word again, consternation. There was some consternation with me and you and some of the contributors behind the scenes when what was going to be an AMD APU update video with a blurb about Intel release dates turned into a story mostly about Intel release dates <laughs> because this is disappointing again that more intel products are slipping yeah there's not really a, a positive way to cover that it's like if this were coming out like before zen 4 i think this would take a lot of the wind out of the sails of zen 4 
But if it's coming out probably after it, if it doesn't really launch until late quarter one next year, I don't know. It might be another, I guess, Alder Lake type situation where it kind of takes the performance crown, except Alder Lake was a comeback from a a downward trend of Intel for five years. And this is kind of a almost a backpacing against Alder Lake if they can just barely be better or be match Zen 4. Actually, probably not match Zen 4. This sounds like it will probably be a bit weaker, but. Well, it's interesting because I hear all different. Here's how do I how do I put this? Internally at AMD, they're confident they have multi-threading. Now, could AMD be wrong? Absolutely. Maybe their projections are off. After all, we have tons of examples of this in the past. Nvidia thought they had RDNA two by twenty to thirty percent. Wrong. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't think they're going to make that mistake again. Hence, six hundred watt Lovelace. You know so. Uh, but could AMD be underestimating Raptor Lake? It's certainly possible. It's on the same node. You know, AMD's own projections often come from just looking at what's possible on their node and going, well, this is the most theoretically they can get, but maybe they're underestimating how good, if you want to call it this, Gracemont Plus will be at increasing multi-threading from the little core increase. But I don't know. They they seem to internally at AMD say they think they're going to win multi-threading overall by five to ten percent so they think they have a small but comfortable lead in multi-threading and they seem to also think they're going to win gaming now does that mean they're going to win cinebench single core which doesn't freaking matter because no one renders with that renderer with one core Mm -hmm. maybe they'll lose the cinebench single core crown but i think if they're going to win gaming it's because amd knows they may be able to base boost up to eight cores to 5.5 gigahertz or higher and that's going to negate any single threading when raptor lake has because raptor lake will not be boosting all eight cores probably quite as high as zen 4 so it without using an absurd amount of energy let's say <laughs> and a very limited amount of skus um so i i, I don't know i i don't I, my gut is that raptor lake's going to take the single threading performance crown by five percent tie or lose multi-threading by five percent in the middle range applications it'll be a wash or zen 4 will win and zen 4 will have the better platform you know and the longer living platform and i don't really see raptor like launching later technically but i think they're gonna launch it about the same time and we'll have to see because zen 4 launches fall fall starts technically late september uh, just for those who don't know, like when you're talking about the American yeah. Western Europe fall, which is what they usually mean when they say fall, that's when that is. And so who knows? Maybe AMD, maybe Intel will paper launch Raptor Lake at the end of September when Zen 4 is actually launching. And if that happens, there was a real chance there. And, and I know there's some people that like probably think we're being overly negative towards Raptor Lake by saying it's launching later when really it's not. But keep in mind, most people don't get the KSKUs. Most are in laptops, OEM builds. And those are all, and I've been told this directly from people that work at OEMs, the guidance behind the scenes has been pushed back basically a full quarter. So you're, you're going to have Zen 4 and OEM probably before Intel and very little volume until the end of quarter three. So that's bad when I think in the OEM builds where efficiency matters more, AMD just has a clear win. Yeah, and then like you say, AMD supports its platforms longer. This is a new platform versus one that's been on uh, a previous uh, 
generation of CPUs. I think if you're spending the same amount of money for the same performance, you get the platform that's going to be supported longer. You know? Or you even take a 5% haircut to performance. Like, who cares? Yeah, I mean, if if uh, AM5 is supported for three generations, or I think could it's be a more. reason. Yeah, it could be four. I don't know. It's a clear reason that you, to get this over uh, Raptor Lake if they re- release it at more or less the same time. And I think AMD knows that, and that's probably why they feel more confident behind the scenes than people are giving them credit for being justified to feel confident. I mean, the one place, though, where I think Raptor Lake has a big advantage is, again, in the i5 range. I mean, if they have a $300 6 plus 8 i5, which others have said, I suggest, I think Adored TV said that, and I'm also hearing that's probably what it is. That's pretty good. I don't really know how... AMD, I mean, it's still 16 cores top, so it's conceivable AMD tries to do the same naming again with the same core counts. Even a $250 six core Zen 4, I don't know how at $250 that competes with a $300 six plus eight Raptor Lake i5. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Not to mention, I believe the non KI5s will be six plus four, and those will be below $200. And I think it's, I think uh, Intel is going to be the, mid-range to low-end king for a while. And to, I don't want that to sound like a pejorative because if you're getting an i5 with six core, uh, what, six plus four, right? Uh, well, uh, below 200, yeah. Uh, that's probably going to give you really uh, almost as good performance, frankly, as the higher-end models in most games. So I think a lot of people will be fine spending $180 on that i5 or something and you know z690 will have been out for a while i know they're launching the new chipsets but there are z690 boards below 200 dollars now that support ddr4 so there's a very good chance we're going to be like are you doing a budget gaming build dude get a six plus four raptor lake i5 now that'll be in quarter one though so we'll see if amd can get low-end skus out before intel it is worth pointing out I don't think well, that, they will, that, to be fair. I don't think they will, but they might. I mean, that's the it, that's what I think Zen's big weakness is, though, is they've kind of seat, completely seeded the low-end ground. Like, they, they just can't... I, they're almost in a position with their current des- design philosophy where they almost can't release low-end SKUs unless they release monolithic dies to desktop, which they've done before, so... Mm-hmm. You can't... They can do that, but... Yeah, and I guess let me add this too, though, because I think you would agree what we're saying is there's a very good chance six months from now what we're going to be recommending to people around winter is, hey, if you're doing a $1,000 build, you're going to want to get, well, you want to get is a $300 used 3070, and then you're also going to want to, because once those <laughs> flooded the market and uh, eBay, and then after that, you're going to want to get a $180 i5, what would it be, like 13400F or whatever it is. And yeah. And then you're going to want to get a Z690 or whatever equivalent Raptor like motherboard for under $200 and just maybe still use the DDR4 you have from five or six years ago. And then you're good to go, man. And then if you get a high end build, you get a, well, look, guys, there's no beating the, you know, whatever <laughs> insane yeah. IO you get with X670E. It's like HEDT grade with tons of cores above five gigahertz. Get that from AMD. The wild card which I did touch on in my Intel video a little bit, is Fishhawk Falls that I have more people telling me they're starting to get briefed on that it's launching soon. And that would be 24 Golden Cove cores. So it's not Raptor Cove, but 
still, it's a mountain of I.O. with more multi-threading than Zen 4, I'm sure. So, I don't know. I mean, I don't think that's a a CPU that most people want to get, but if you need a ton of (laughs) I.O. Well, it depends on the price, right? Like, when you look at the most expensive X670 Extreme board that I've seen listed, which is around $500, I think the... Uh, Fishhawk Falls motherboards will be 400 to 500 So if you can get a $400 motherboard for that, and then if they keep the 24-core, conceivably below $1,500. And it wouldn't surprise me if they did. I mean, it's still all over the place what people expect with the pricing of this CPU. Because it's like, we're, we're, they sold an 18-core for 1000 Do they make their 24-core I, now that? or I, I would say... A... <laughs> I don't think it's a bold claim to say a minimum of a thousand dollars for that, but no. But I'm, I'm wondering if I'm still just being way too optimistic. I think I might be, but it's like, yeah. you know, you could see a scenario where it's like an extra few hundred bucks over maybe the highest end AM5 platform to just get triple the PCIe IO and <laughs> 24 yeah, cores true. instead of 16. And this might become an interesting option that also kind of eats into the potential AM5 buyer. That's true. Yeah. Especially with um, how neglected Threadripper is. Yeah, I, I, it that would definitely take some of the 7950X buyers away, I think. Mm-hmm. I, I just want to be clear. We're not saying it's going to lose. We're not saying it's bad. But we are saying, I don't, I, I'm at least saying, I'll speak for myself. I don't see it as this easy slam dunk anymore. And the people saying Zen 4 is a dud and Raptor Lake's going to crush it. If it doesn't launch before it... It doesn't look like the performance advantage in any metric is going to be more than 10%, and it's going to use more energy. I don't see that as a home run. It's not a clean sweep, guys. They're going to be competitive. Whichever is able to get good press about a release first is, I think, is going to have the advantage, at least early on in the generation. If that will stay there the entire time, I don't know, but... If they can manage to get some high-end models of Raptor Lake out before Zen 4, I think that will at least deflate Zen 4 a little bit. And again, don't forget this, everybody. Like, AMD's mindshare is still pretty insane. Talking to some of my contacts that have storefronts, yeah. they're like, we're not even ordering Intel CPUs anymore. We we can't sell them compared to AMD. So we don't care. Like, the 5800X3D, a CPU that I don't recommend as much as other people, although I do recommend it to basically anyone who already has the motherboard and wants an upgrade, an AM4 motherboard. I mean, it's it's so outselling Alder Lake, I think it's a little absurd, but AMD has the enthusiast mindshare now, so don't underestimate how important that will still be. Yeah. Even if the <laughs> Intel fanboys definitely yell loud enough to make it seem like it's not the case the enthusiast market likes amd right now and if it's a tie it's kind of like if amd ties intel 10 years ago who cares intel is going to sell more um let me see here bfish 36 writes in again he says hey tom and dan the information about mendocino and yes i agree is a product it's boring from what you said in your video got me thinking in your recent episode with tim from hardware unbox i recall you talking about laptop segmentation and how amd uses a sort of one size fits all approach it looks like in 2023 they've actually segmented their laptop products in a way that makes a ton of sense where they have something for gaming laptops with a discrete gpu premium thin and lights, and a cheaper mass market chip for budget shoppers. The only issue I see with this strategy is supply and OEM adoption. Why have we seen such limited Rembrandt products in the market? And do you see AMD being able to get enough volume to compete with Intel, even if they have superior products? 
yes, I think they're still going to have a ton of problem making enough of these. Yeah. <laughs> but um, besides that, yeah, I will say that. Like, they have been, you know, actually, I do want to talk about this because this was something I kind of really went in depth about in the Moore's Laws at Discord after my big Intel leak that we're kind of centering half of this episode on came out, which is to say AMD's been really lazy with a lot of their products, guys, and I don't think anyone gets that. Like, they've been farting out the laziest APU lineup. Like, what have they even done? Like, they did one APU a year, practically? Come on. Yeah. Or, I, 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 I guess... I think it's changing now. There seems to be a lack of effort of getting them into OEM laptops in a lot of ways, where now I think... Or lack of success, at the very least. uh, Yeah, that's true. Uh, And I don't know why. They have really good CPUs, but there does seem to be a sense of laziness about it. I don't know. You know, because if you don't count the consoles, it's like, look at all the different IP they have access to, all the different nodes, all the different ways they can combine their various GPU, accelerator, CPU, architectures. And, like, the best they could come up with was, like, Renoir, and then Cezanne, same Vega GPU, 8 Zen 3 cores. And then they just come up with Renoir. And then, uh, I mean, not Renoir, um, Rembrandt, um, you know, Van Gogh was almost not even used. Like, we're starting to see that change. Mendocino, Mm -hmm. although I'm hearing it might not even practically be pairable with discrete GPUs, which is really depressing because I'm like, man, pair that, pair that budget 100 millimeter squared chip that uses 10 watts with like a 25 watt MX570 and you've got a $500 entry level (laughs) gaming laptop that's pretty sick, but it doesn't seem like, it it seems like it really is just for like $500 thin and lights by itself. But still, that's different than just disabling eight core Saison down to four cores, even though you never need to. And then they have Phoenix, which doesn't need a discrete GPU. Is it again, is it as strong as a 3060? No, but it's going to be about as strong as yeah, 3050, maybe, you know. And so, what does that mean? Or 3050, like TI laptop. And if that's where they can get to by itself, well, that is its own thing. And then Dragon Range is coming, and I confirmed that only has two compute units, but that's com- that can go up to 16 cores with a discrete GPU. Well, now they have three options, you know? And I, yeah. and I think people need to think about what could be possible if they were doing putting more effort into all of their other things they were doing. Like, basically, if you look at their architectures, their desktop architectures are just scaled-down epic designs and it's (laughs) insane they even won gaming ever like think about it that's a scaled down epic chip with extra latency even intel was using that mesh architecture in server and ring bus in consumer for higher gaming performance not amd they were using the same latency ridden server architecture (laughs) for gaming chips and beating intel and then the second they can do anything even remotely special, they throw Vcash on there just like that Alder Lake doesn't matter for gaming that much anymore. You know, what do you guys think AMD is capable of once they have money and now they do and they actually start targeting their IP at specific products? What do you think they're going to be able to make? Yeah, and I think that's kind of the route they always went. were going to go down assuming uh, Ben was successful is they're going to have to diversify what they make more at some point because as it stands, Zen, like you said, Zen is kind of a funny architecture because it's just 
What if we scaled the exact same thing to every different size we want to sell it at? And at a certain point, once every eight core CCD is giving you absurdly high yields, I mean, you can't really make a four core anymore without leaving money on the table. And if they have enough money, they can make products that aren't just that IO die and that eight core CCD. <laughs> exactly. And so, in fact, this is making me revise my advice. If they know Raptor Lake isn't going to go 5.8 gigahertz, and I think it's unlikely it does, but who knows, maybe Intel tries. I think it's unlikely it's almost 100% Intel isn't going to hit 6 gigahertz. It, it'll be funny. You can put it in corrections if I'm wrong about that. So, actually, you have to think... What happens if AMD designs a Zen 4 product just for gaming next year? What if they make a monolithic 6 gigahertz one with Vcash on it, and they just drop that? If they know they can do that, even if it's not monolithic, which it probably won't be, I would just not even hit 6 gigahertz yet. I would wait. I would wait until next year, do golden samples that can hit lower voltages at high clock speeds, put Vcash on it, boom, there's another 20% single threading increase the gaming debate's over. Like, I think yeah. people need to understand that AMD has a lot of levers they can pull if they have the money to design multiple products, and now they do. Yeah. All right. Forbidden Juice writes in, would you wager TSM a TSMC 16 nanometer wafer, so that's like five dollars $6,000 there, that Intel gets their e-cores to be more useful for gaming, or at least not detrimental with Raptor Lake? I would actually say yes with a caveat. The caveat is, I don't know when that's going to happen. I don't know if that launch, the e-cores, will help gaming. But right now, I see the e-cores the same way I saw hyper-threading with, like, uh, Sandy Ridge through Haswell with Intel. In some games, it hurt performance by 5%. In some games, it helped performance by 5%. Generally speaking, you'd leave hyper-threading on because it was worth not having a hassle to leave on. But yeah. <laughs> over time, you were pretty happy you had hyper-threading. You know, because of the performance yeah. you got. I just don't know when that happens. Yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't bet on a TSMC wafer that Raptor Lake will. Not uh, at launch. Yeah, I, 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 I would bet a generation will eventually see that. I, I don't know if we'll, you'll see a huge advantage from even in Raptor Lake, but, you know, hopefully that's pessimistic. It, it might be. <laughs> well, and just like we've pointed out, and I remember Steve from Hardware Unboxed it as well. Okay, let's say in two years, E-Cores really, really help gaming performance. By then, shouldn't you just to buy Arrow Lake? <laughs> yeah. Instead yeah. of worrying about if that 16 E-Cores is going to help right now with Raptor. I mean, he's got quite a point there. Um, Brett Summers writes in, Hello, Tom and Dan, or maybe esteemed guest? I don't know if Dan's esteemed, but he's it's Dan. Uh, my question is, why are Intel cores so highly inefficient? Their absolute performance isn't exactly bad, but taking power consumption into account, they seem so far behind AMD cores. Are Intel engineers that far behind AMD in terms of design? Do they just like to say, screw it and push absolute maximum performance? I think yes for that one. You know, surely <laughs> it can't be only a node difference that causes it. It's not only, I think it's that and the node difference. Like, <laughs> if you look at it, Rembrandt wins in like 35 watt form factors against even six plus eight Alder Lake mobile SKUs. Right. But Rembrandt's on six nanometer with Zen three plus. If you compare seven nanometer Zen three to Alder Lake, their efficiency is pretty close. Mm -hmm. And I think yeah. a lot of this is a no disadvantage for Intel. I, I mean, yeah. When they're at a disadvantage, <laughs> a no disadvantage, uh, they're 
going to be less efficient. Exactly. You know, and you go look up older like reviews, guys. Like a lot of times AMD is more efficient, but not always. And in gaming, oftentimes Intel is so because they rarely boost all of the cores to 100% while gaming. Hey there, this is Tom jumping in for a last-minute edit to the episode before putting it out to you all. As me and Gerard were about to drop the Patreon version and about to start finishing up work on the video and other free feed versions, it came to my attention from a contact that there's an article out there about LGA 1851 that is supposedly the socket that supports desktop Meteor Lake and Arrow Lake, and the article even goes as far as to reference me, not really disprove anything else I say, but say that the 2,551 pin count isn't the desktop socket, although it could be something else. And that link will be in the description for you all to go find that. You know, immediately I sent this to a few of my sources. One of my sources that confirmed 2,551 said that technically he's only heard reference to that pin count for Meteor Lake products. He didn't hear LGA. And the other person, without saying what the proof was, although you know I have some pictures, he was able to dig up documentation that referenced BGA. In other words, yes, it's almost entirely confirmed then then actually what's going on is the desktop Meteor Lake and therefore also Arrow Lake will use a socket with an LGA1851 pin count. So in other words, everything you hear me and Dan say forward, whenever you hear us say LGA2551, just assume we're saying 1851. Now, more importantly and more excitingly, the 2,551, well, this seems to be in common with Alder Lake HX and Raptor Lake HX. For those who don't remember, it's something we've talked about. Alder Lake HX is repackaging the desktop 8 big core, 8 little core Alder Lake for laptop. And the same is going to happen. There will be a Raptor Lake HX that repackages the desktop version as well. This is also something AMD is doing, by the way, with Dragon Range. In other words, if Intel is working on a Meteor like HX, that means it's probably entirely compatible with the same sort of configuration on laptop, or should I say socket type on laptop that these are. So that's cool. That makes an easy transition earlier in 2023 instead of later for laptops that are supporting these desktop replacement CPUs. But what that also means, the mere fact that Intel is working on a Meteor like HX well, guys, what that tells me is, again, something I say in the leak, but isn't 100% confirmed, that they are going above 8 plus 8 configurations because there's going to be a 2 plus 8 Meteor Lake. There's going to be a 6 plus 8 Meteor Lake in laptop. They wouldn't make, I don't think, a Meteor Lake HX that has the same sort of pin configuration as these higher core count, higher power Alder Lake and Raptor Lake parts, unless they were also probably going to eight big cores and 16 little cores with Meteor Lake desktop at least. And therefore, that's kind of exciting because you never know, right? You never know if they're going to go back in core count. They did from Comet Lake, right? They went back from 10 cores to just eight cores in Rocket Lake and Tiger Lake. And this confirms Meteor Lake desktop keeps the core count as high as Raptor Lake most likely. Um, also what I'll say is what doesn't change is our conversations about power delivery with LGA, like why there's another 100 pins enabled for Raptor. Like that doesn't change. Um, and that doesn't change if there is 1851. That's for, again, a bit more IO, a bit more power delivery to Meteor Lake and Arrow Lake. It just means that the assumption that Arrow Lake's going to use an absurd amount of energy is probably not going to happen. Although it does sound like it will use 
possibly, or I shouldn't say it will use, it's able to use more power than Raptor Lake will. Um, and this is something that we see in a lot of BGA sockets if you look it up. Higher pin counts for the laptop BGA socket than the desktop counterpart. So that's not crazy at all. All right, just wanted to make sure you guys got all of that. Back to the show. Um, but okay. All right, let's then move on to story number four. Meteor Lake LGA 2551 socket, performance and delay confirmed. Continuing once more with Tom's Intel Roadmap League, Meteor Lake. In summary, Meteor Lake is not socket compatible with Raptor Lake like many of us hoped, using an LGA 2551 socket that, while similar in size to LGA 1800, thus inferring probably cooler compatibility, it is obviously not cross-gen compatible. Meteor Lake additionally brings a 12 to 21% IPC increase with Redwood Cove over Raptor Cove, but it also comes with a clock speed regression that overall seems to suggest, if you do the math, more like a meager 5 to 15% single threading increase depending on the SKU. However, a new Crestmont Little Core should bring a nice multi-threading performance increase and efficiency increase despite re likely retaining the same 8 plus 16, 8 big cores, 16 little cores configuration that we will first see in Raptor Lake. Oh, and of course Meteor Lake will also bring probably double the integrated graphics performance and new accelerators. That's cool. But not so cool? The release date. Make no mistake, Meteor Lake was planned to have its mobile launch in quarter one and desktop in the middle of 2023. After all, a Intel has been showing pictures of Meteor Lake since last month. Last month, guys. <laughs> so a year after showing you pictures, it's launching. Instead, it's like the, the new Intel cadence. It seriously does. You see pictures and then a year later or two, it actually comes out. Instead, though, the mobile launch is planned for mid-2023, possibly even slipping to quarter three, a year after pictures, and the desktop launch is expected late 2023, possibly near Zen 5's launch. Uh, so, damn, what do you think? It's basically all bad news, aside from better uh, iGPU and maybe custom accelerators. Uh, being on it, which we'll see. I know that's the direction the market's moving. That's those accelerators are going to be put in everything eventually, and they're going to give boost for certain workloads. But we'll see if the first gen they're really in anything product they actually benefit. Oh, I think they will. I guess we'll see how much they benefit uh, consumers because it's a, a new type of accelerator. It's at least hard for me to guess how important that's going to be for i don't know someone that's just trying to run a video game i mean sure but i i i think the major problem is the release date i don't i don't think yeah, i'm too course. worried about the other stuff no I, that, that, i'm just saying that's the real one positive the release date obviously is the big negative factor if this was just kind of an almost a well it's not really a refresh because it's going to be on a new socket but if this were just like an update six months after uh, Raptor Lake comes out, okay, or maybe that's not that big of a deal. Right, because it would be like, ooh, new features, and we're getting, you know, probably, we'll see what happens with the clock speed. It's a regression. I haven't confirmed exactly how much it will be, but I think what you can say is this isn't going to be some, like, 50% increase in performance over Raptor Lake. It's, it's probably, 
it's probably going to be like a Raptor Lake-ish increase if we're lucky, meaning like, you know, 8 to 15% higher single threading if everything works out, along with a new little core, so 30% higher multi-threading. And again, like you're saying, you know, if this was coming... Maybe I think the uh, the assumption I had was I was well they were planning on like nine months later it'd be like okay so this is launching in between Raptor Lake and Arrow Lake in between Zen Four and Zen Five Raptor Lake ties Zen Four this makes it a clean sweep and it's more efficient that'd be awesome but instead yeah. what it seems like we're getting is a Zen Four killer when Zen Five comes out which I doubt. That means it's a Zen 5 killer, unless uh, Zen 5 is really disappointing. Right. And again, the things I'm hearing about Zen 5 is this is the big new Zen 2 increase in everything. Mm -hmm. You know, this is the... If you think about it, really, Zen 1 through Zen 4, and I think I did a video on this like two years ago, was like the initial arc. That was the Jim Keller arc, kind of, of like... Or I think it was most of the Jim Keller arc. I think Jim Keller's touched on Zen 5, actually. But basically, it's the initial concept. CCXs with Zen 1, chiplets with Zen 2, double, fixing latency with Zen 3, upping clock speeds with Zen 4. You can see the cadence here of like, and we did it. Yeah. And then Zen 5, I believe, from what I heard, Jim Keller kind of touched on next, go in these directions and like got the teams ready to start working on that, but didn't have as much of a hand in it. So Zen 5 is the start of the next arc. Zen 5, 6, 7, probably, before they move past Zen. And I, I don't know. Meteor Lake just seems like the completion of an arc, but it's the completion of an arc that should have completed when Zen 4 ended its arc. You know, I, I don't yeah. know. Yeah. And yeah, if uh, Meteor Lake, if Arrow Lake were came, coming out the same time as Meteor, I mean, as uh, Zen 5, Intel would be heading on a great cadence, but it seems like what? Everything is delayed by Intel at this point, by, or everything. Intel CPU seems to be delayed by at least a quarter, right? Or more? I mean, this a year. Like I had A780 Alchemist specs in 2020. Yeah, so it, it might be... I leaked Redwood like, Cove in 2020 it, it, as well, by the way. Yeah, I don't know. It seems maybe like everything everything they're launching is uh, maturing a quarter later than they expected. So when you're talking a quarter delay three generations in a row, well, now you're a year behind. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, and, and, and before I want to, that's really what I wanted. I ended that video with honestly a third of the video is just about that problem Intel has. Before we get to that, I guess the last thing I want to say that wasn't in this write up is so, yeah, I mean, expect Meteor Lake to be kind of similar to Ice Lake at first, except a lot better than what Ice Lake was. So, Ice Lake launched next to Comet Lake, and I have a Comet Lake laptop, right? Comet Lake was most of the mobile volume. Ice Lake was higher IPC, lower clocks, better integrated graphics, meant for premium SKUs, uh, e either premium thin and lights or thin and light gaming devices that had the money like Razer to put an Ice Lake quad core with a, de a dedicated graphics card to make, you know, that kind of like 1650 Ice Lake system. You know, that's what Meteor Lake will be for first. Uh, it's just, there will be more volume of it. But in other words, for the first half of 2023, expect the overwhelming majority of Intel mobility, like 90% possibly of the volume, to be Raptor Lake Mobile, which is still 6 plus 8 outside of 
Rapture-like HX, which could be, I suppose, 8 plus 16. We'll see. But that will use like 100 watts, so completely different realm. And that's going to get blown away by Dragon Range. And Rapture-like 6 plus 8, that's going to get blown away by Phoenix. It's just absolutely blown away, I think. And so Meteor Lake would have been really nice to have out to combat Phoenix. Like, really nice. And instead, (laughs) it's going to be like 10% of the volume and launching half a year after Phoenix. So, I mean, I think Phoenix is uh, AMD's big chance to actually capitalize off of the gains they have if that's how far far Intel is behind in mobile, which, you know, I'm sure somebody's taken note of that at AMD, but... (laughs) Well, yeah, and Dragon Range. I mean, I think they're going to fit... 80-90% 80-90% of the performance of the top desktop chip in about a mono well not mo, in a like 65 watt chip you know they're but let's mm-hmm. say 80% and I've like ran this few past a few sources like looked at the difference in power consumption of some different things and I, I see no reason why dragon range at 65 watts can't truly bring desktop performance for the most part. And so I remember when I used to say, oh, maybe I'll just get a Meteor-like laptop eventually instead of upgrading my desktop. Nope. Now I'm saying maybe I'll get a Dragon Range <laughs> 4070 or, you know, 7800M laptop instead of upgrading my desktop because Meteor Lake's just, it's just coming out too late for me to care. Yeah. And maybe only you know, my words. If, it's all about the price, right? But if they get, even if it comes out six months later, if there's, a really good, well-priced laptop with a meteor, like, yeah, that, that'll still be worth getting. It's kind of like Comet Lake. Was, I have a Comet Lake laptop. Comet that, Lake yeah. was generally seen as a disappointing lineup, but I don't know. There, it's not like there are zero good products that have Comet Lake in it. Right, but I won't be hunting for Meteor Lake when it comes out no. because, I, 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 guys, look, I'm much more interested than unless my 2060 Comet Lake laptop breaks and waiting for a Zen 5 laptop, then I'm concerned. And and, a, and even the Arrow Lake laptop, then I'm concerned about this because I know those are going to be the big ones. I just feel like Meteor Lake would have just really hit at the perfect time early 2023, <laughs> right when people kind of wanted next gen before next gen was ready. But if it's launching right before the others, then I just know the uplifts are going to be so big from the gens after that. I'll just wait longer. Uh, yeah. Andy1299 writes in, and he says, there are some rumors going around that Sapphire Rapids is delayed an additional 12 weeks, i.e. i.e. to quarter one 2023 versus quarter four 2022 due to a hardware security bug. Any news on your end, and could it affect Raptor Lake, some of the P-Cores? Mm. Well, let's not even talk about affecting the Raptor Lake P-Cores, because Sapphire Rapids does not... Alder Lake works. And Sapphire Rapids is also Golden Cove, like Alder Lake. So it's clearly some other thing that's in. I know Sapphire Rapids has its own security chips in it and, or to, like, you know, like IP in it. And there's its own reasons it can have issues. Um, but when it comes to Raptor Lake, I just think that's a separate scenario. Keep in mind, guys, even though OEMs are being briefed that Raptor Lake is launching to Enthusiast Quarter 4, half of my sources think it's going to slip to next year. So. And they have told OEMs one thing before, and then as I've already told you guys, said, oh, never mind. So we'll see what happens yeah. to Raptor Lake. But I don't think it's because Sapphire Rapids. But as for what ha- I did actually reach out to, and let me actually check right now since we're talking about it, if any other sources responded to me in the meantime. I don't think so. No. Yeah, but I did have a, uh, one source respond to me today when I saw this reader mail. 
And I do know that there were power issues with the memory controller in Sapphire Rapids. Now, is that the delay that caused this one? From the source I talked to, it sounds like probably not, but that is one of the reasons it was delayed, and that was an unanticipated problem. But I can back up from talking to some sources directly today that there are bugs in the hardware that have popped up in the past six months, maybe multiple that are causing these delays. Uh, I mean, that's not good. <laughs> no, and, right. and it, it's just there's no way around it. Sapphire Rapids was intended as a Milan or at the latest Milan X competitor. 56 mm-hmm. or now I've learned, you know, 60 core Sapphire Rapids should have done battle with 64 Zen 3 Vcash cores. And I think it would have been a decent matchup, actually. Certainly closer in performance than anything we've seen out of Intel server chips for the past five years yes. against AMD. <laughs> but instead, there's no way around it. Sapphire Rapids is a Genoa competitor, and it's going to suck. Yeah. I'm uh, sorry. Especially if it, I, I just especially if it, it comes out next year. Like, what? So right before Genoa comes out, I guess, is when uh, is when Sapphire Rapids comes out? And will there be scenarios where it has some advantage? Probably. But yeah. overall, I mean, I'm told Genoa, with its 10% higher multi-threading IPC, which, guys all multi-threading and server. So it's 10%. And then with its, I hear like 10% higher all-core boost clocks and 50% more cores. Sapphire Rapids, we have from leaked benchmarks, we already know is having trouble beating Milan X. So now take Milan X, add 50% more cores, add 10% higher IPC, add 10% higher clock speeds. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a bloodbath. Yeah. And that leads us to the next story then. Today's video is brought to you by CDKeyOffer.com. Now that I've got my compact Alder Lake benchmarking system done, I'm free to test a lot of graphics cards in both Windows 10 and Windows 11. And I always get those keys from CDKeyOffer.com. That's because it's a reliable, long-term sponsor of Moore's Law is Dead that gets you reasonable prices on legitimate keys for these types of products but it's really not all that they offer they also can give you keys for microsoft office uh keys for playstation codes and even some of the latest pc releases like elden ring and they even carry gaming peripherals in chairs now whatever you need cd key offer probably has you covered and they're always running sales but make sure you use the best code possible and that's the ones provided for the moore's law is dead fans moore's law is dead fans get the biggest discount and if you Go to the link on screen or in the description. You can use code BROKENSILICON to get 25% off Microsoft products and DieStream to get 3% off everything else on the website. Using these codes really does help Moore's Law is Dead, and it helps you play reasonable prices for games that you want in keys that, frankly, you just have to use half of the time. So, again, use the link in the description. Use Broken Silicon. Use DieStream depending on the products you're getting, and pay reasonable prices for keys today at CDKeyOffer.com. Story number five, Intel's long-term future with Emerald Rapids, Granite Rapids, and Arrow Lake called into question. All right, then, moving on with the one of the final stories from this leak. It was 40 minutes long from me last week. Arrow Lake and Intel's future. Look, Arrow Lake looks cool. It has eight big cores and 32 little cores, based on what I'm told right now. 
It's big cores use Lion Cove. Its little cores are probably Skymont. And the Lion Cove specifically was mentioned as being part of the Intel Royal Core project under Jim Keller. I expect massive performance increases out of Lion Cove. Expect it to also work on LGA 2551. So we're talking about a super compatible 40-core processor with high IPC in the big cores. But it seems to be launching near the end of 2021. Four, which is way after Zen 5 launches, guys, and potentially close to Zen 6, although I'm not confirming that's when Zen 6 will come out yet. That leads us to question, why can't Intel launch anything on time anymore? Meteor Lake was meant to be early 2023, not late 2023. And some other leakers are saying it could slip to 2024, by the way, damn. Arrow Lake was expected 2023, not 2024. Sapphire Rapids isn't out yet. And in fact, I am being told right now that Emerald Rapids, which is just 64 Raptor Cove cores, is expected in the second half of 2023, probably close to Zen 5. That would mean 64 Raptor Cove cores, which were meant to compete with Zen 4, fighting 256 Zen 5 cores. This calls into question Intel's ability to compete long-term again. Years ago, I said if they can't get their act together with Alder Lake, that Intel could be seeing a serious reduction in the size of its company over time, like IBM. And this makes me call it into question again. Was Alder Lake a return to form, or was it just a dead cat bounce? And I... Uh... I think we do need to really question that because it's important to note that, like, once again, Alder Lake came out at, I, I could almost say all came out at a convenient time mm. where it came out at a point where I think, I don't think you can say that, I, I think you can definitively say Alder Lake is better than uh, Zen 3. Um, I mean, obviously there are tasks where Zen 3 still beats Alder Lake, but I think generally speaking, if you're building a completely new system, Alder Lake is probably the better one to go with. But it came out, what, 16 months or so after uh, after Zen 3 launched? And make no mistake, Zen 4 was intended to it's, launch at the end of 2021. So, yeah, that's what I'm getting at. Imagine if Zen 4 instead came out in late 2021, or hell, even a month after Alder Lake, instead of when it's probably going to come out now, which is what, next year? Late this year, early next year? Okay, so if that would have been the case, would anybody be talking about Alder Lake at all right now? No, no one would give a shit. And that's the problem. If if everything were coming out six months earlier than when it was coming out, Intel would be in a really good place. But Arrow Lake coming out with 8 plus 32 cores to me sounds interesting uh, because clearly they think those E cores are going to be <laughs> giving them an advantage by then if they're... They're going to have 32 E-cores. But if it's just coming out against Zen 5, which I don't know what Zen 5 is really even going to be yet, and uh, <laughs> AMD is going to have 256 cores on their server versus more 64-core CPUs from Intel, I don't know what Intel really has to offer. And this Alder Lake was kind of a mix of luck that AMD got delayed a little bit, and which outsize the hype for Alder Lake, which I guess if Zen 4 came out around when Alder Lake did, I think people still would say, have positive things to say about Alder Lake. Just the because i5 it's... might still be competitive. It probably would have had to been priced even cheaper, but it could still be competitive. It could still be competitive, and I think people would say, well, 
Intel is finally back to an extent, but I think just with this timing, it looked like Alder Lake was resurgent when really all it did was outcompete something that's over a year older than it. Right. And uh, I, I, I just want to, I just want to like jump in here with like Zen five, like, yes, Arrow Lake looks exciting, but it's coming out at least six months after Zen five, I believe, if not a year. And I just want to say this about Zen five guys. I know it has accelerators and a few of them more than what Zen four will have. Cause I, I think even consumer Zen four may have a couple. We'll have to see it. We know Genoa does. Mm-hmm. Um, which I, I keep forgetting to like put that on Twitter or something. Robert, Robert Halleck also seems to inadvertently have confirmed the SDXI accelerator I leaked and it was in Genoa that no one else is talking about. That seems to be something like what the PS5 does with direct IO connecting the GPU to the SSD. But you know, already AMD is doing this. You know, I, I think Zen 5 has even more accelerators, and based on my I'll do a Zen 5 leak when I'm ready, but like Early consensus is that it's going to be probably uh, 32 to 64 cores on desktop, guys, with like 20% higher IPC potentially. I don't know how good Arrow Lake will be. I think Arrow Lake brings a mass. It's look, this is like, I'm not saying it's going to be the IPC increase of Bulldozer to, or Pile Driver to Zen 1. This, this is definitely not what I'm saying. I think it, it'll be much less than that, but it's kind of a similar situation where this is the starting over period with Lion Cove is my understanding mm-hmm. or at least it was supposed to be who knows if they've pared it down by now that's you know like t- two-year-old info by now or something but so you know maybe it, like let's say Arrow like brought 30% higher IPC or something and kept clock speeds you know excellent well I don't know that's still just eight big cores I'm sure applications by 2024 are using more than eight cores if in, if in AMD has 32 cores with 20% higher IPC, 30% higher than what we have now, sounds like AMD is not getting blown out of the water by the project that was supposed to blow them out of the water. Yeah, exactly. And I, I think at, at a certain point, uh, Intel is going to need to go beyond the eight big cores, even though it seems like they're very much betting on the uh, E cores. We'll see. Maybe their e cores. You know, what if the e cores are as good as Zen three or Zen four, and so they don't need that. I don't yeah, know. Well, yeah, that's true. We'll see. But I, I, and then you just look at server, and I just don't see it. I know some people think Granite Rapids has a certain core count that they keep quoting. From what I hear, it might be up to that, but it's actually maybe less than people anticipated. Hopefully, Intel's changing the design <laughs> to be more than the core count I recently heard. But I don't know. Like. Emerald Rapids is a complete laughable joke to the point that I almost wonder if they should skip it and like because there's no point in launching it. Um, but even Granite Rapids against, I yeah, even Granite Rapids against uh, Turin sounds like a joke to me, guys. And I know what Granite <laughs> Rapids is, so uh, I don't know. <laughs> and and it's like and I know people will point to Sierra Forest, which will have hundreds upon hundreds of uh, little cores. But then I also go, I think standard Turin has 256 cores. What do you think uh, Zen 5C would look like? <laughs> like, I don't think AMD cares. Yeah. And, and so I, and then we're talking about Diamond Rapids. And I'm not saying Intel's doomed. I am saying, though, 
If you're going to play devil's advocate against AMD, the devil's advocate I play against Intel slipping looks a lot more negative, guys. Like, my understanding is that I believe uh, Arrow Lake uses 20 Angstrom and that they have no plans to redefine the architecture on another node. Okay, well, so that's supposed to ramp in 2024. So, guys, do you hear yourselves? You think Intel, that's already delayed Meteor Lake, and there's already rumors they have to switch nodes for some things, although I think it's based on TSMC's node, to be fair. Um, like, all right, so you're saying Intel 4 needs to go perfectly next year, and then also 20 Angstrom needs to be ready one year after Intel 4, and we know Meteor Lake's delayed. Yes, they're blaming TSMC, but who knows if it's both. <laughs> it's a tall order to assume they're going to go from Intel 4 to 20 Angstrom in one year with zero delays. And so... I, all I'm saying is it looks bad now. It looks bad now. It better not get worse, Intel. Because if any of these products sip another six months, which, again, I've heard Aerolite could slip to 2025. Mm. <laughs> yeah, and I think it's important to note that once we're getting this far out, it's the the amount of uncertainty just gets wider and wider. So who knows, maybe by Arrow Lake or the generation after Arrow Lake, uh, Intel has gotten its shit together. But because I think it's important to caveat the doom and gloom with uh, this far out, I think it's hard to say what things will look like. But it needs to be mentioned that I think what since, yeah, like you said, since Comet Lake, uh, Intel has been behind on pretty much everything uh, and that trend needs to reverse at some point if uh they don't want to be completely uh steamrolled over by uh amd yeah and i, and I asked some intel contacts about this like what are you going to even do in server and i basically got the same answer i got years ago and i had the uh anonymous server engineer on which is well if we need intel we're going to keep buying intel and i'm like okay well before the efficiency difference between zen 3 and your 14 nanometer 28 core chips was 3x. Turin could be 5x. <laughs> I I just think some more customers are going to switch them. They're losing yeah. money not buying the new chips. Like, come on. So yeah, and how much money are you losing in energy at a certain point? <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's yeah. So, uh, but yeah, I, I, I the only thing I do want to just emphasize before we move on though is Arrow Lake sounds awesome. It all sounds yeah. great. I just, if it slips anymore, I, I don't know what's going to happen. Um, it, let, it, so let us move on to then story number six. Arc release date update. Finally, last thing from that god dang video. <laughs> but sorry, guys, <laughs> I didn't see that much other news the past two weeks. Um, all right. Final piece of the Intel leak. Arc, when is it coming out? Well, high-end Alchemist, not 100% sure if this is the top SKU, but the top-end chip should be launching on desktop two OEMs by July, supposedly by the end of this month, June. And then in July and August, we should get low-end OEM desktop, Alchemist. Late July is then when we're going to get low-end mobile availability, which, again, it's just funny that they have a release date for low-end mobile that i've been given by oems i'm like wait isn't it supposed to be out now and they're like but it isn't really so late july is when it's really out <laughs> and then august is when workstation blower cooler looking alchemist launches in other words alchemist should have everything out by august Woo! i i mean you know i don't have too much to say about alchemist at this point it's coming out 
I feel like at a minimum six months later than it should have. Yeah, arguably a year. Arguably two years. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, when, when was that initial uh, reveal again? I, I Time is a... Uh, Oh, which reveal? I mean, the one where they just showed a bunch of renders, the the leak I did in late 2020, I think October 2020, where I leaked the specs of the ship. No, like when they actually unveiled it. That was 2021, wasn't it? Yeah. Or when they, they revealed the branding for ARC. Oh, the branding? That was 2021. Now, when they actually okay. revealed more of the specs, like the 96-bit SOC2, that was a few months ago. Okay. Yeah, so... Well, that was... Yeah, I mean, that was a few months ago that should have been when it launched at the yes. latest <laughs> oh quarter one it's not like they didn't say it was gonna launch quarter one well we're in quarter three now tom so about yep yeah, we're about to be in quarter three it so i don't know i mean i guess i don't know what else there is to say about this it seems like our suspicions we had a month ago are coming true it's like yep basically alchemist will be out one to two months before lovelace not half a year and I don't know. The top chip better end up performing like a 3070 with 16 gigabytes for 400 bucks. It's going to be need to be at least that to get anyone to buy it besides people looking for collector's editions. But that's the funny thing. That's what I say in the video. I think they're going to dump 95% of this volume into OEM because they know they'll sell fine there. And from mm -hmm. what I'm hearing, the Founders Edition, the one that I had renders of in the video and on the same day, real pictures came out of it, unfortunately. <laughs> Uh, or fortunately, depending on how you look at it. Um, I think that limited edition is what the high-end model will be. I, from what I'm hearing, AIBs are running for the hills and saying, let us know when Battle Mage is actually coming out. And so I think what you're going to get if you want an A780 on desktop is just this Founders card, and there's going to be a very limited release in July or August. And yeah, I'm going to try to get one, guys, but I don't... It's it's basically launching too late to make a big dent in the do-it-yourself market, especially when you consider how cheap eBay cards are going to be next to it. Yeah, because like that, like you jokingly said, or no, probably not jokingly, as they're going to be competing with three hundred dollar used thirty seventies, probably. Yeah, uh, pretty soon. Uh, maybe not when it comes out, but close enough. Maybe four hundred dollar used thirty seventies, and there's that brand recognition, and frankly, just you know established reliability of a graphics brand that's been around for decades that intel doesn't have so makes sense that they're dumping most of it to oems but um i guess let's move on then to story number seven a bit of a surprise one amd ready's radeon rx 6700 non-xt all right quoting from tech power up AMD is likely preparing to launch a new mid-range graphics card SKU positioned between the Radeon RX 6650 XT and the RX 6700 XT, the new RX 6700. It doesn't seem like the 6700 is OEM exclusively designed either to get rid of just to just get rid of silicon. Pictures are surfacing of Sapphire branded custom design cards, complete with box art designed to woo customers in brick and mortar stores. The RX 6700 is configured with 2,304 stream processors across 36 RDNA 2 compute units out of the 40 physically present on the top Navi 22 fully enabled silicon. The memory is an interesting piece of the specs. The RX 6700 comes with 10 gigabytes of standard, presumably over a 160-bit wide GDDR6 memory bus. The writer of this, uh, Tech Power Up, should have looked up this already exists in laptops, though. And so, yes, I mean, the, I'll just cut ahead then, guys. Yeah, no, th this is going to be a 160-bit, 10-gigabyte 
card, the one that you can get on laptop right now. And if people will remember, they go all the way back to my original RDNA 2 leak from September of 2020. I said the ARC 6700 had a high chance of being a 160-bit bus with 10 gigabytes of RAM. But let it be known that that RDNA 2 leak is still paying dividends as being legit to this day. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I don't know what I have to say about this. I think this is clearly being targeted to be 20% weaker than a 6700. I don't know what they're going to price it at. 450 I, I don't know what they can. 460 I don't know. The 6650 price that again. 400 yeah. I don't know what you can price this at. This is one of those cards where it's like, I, I, I don't know what the segmentation for it really can be. It, it's just such a, a weird, almost not unneeded graphics card, in my opinion. Like, this is so such a narrow distinction between the 6650, this, and the 6700 XT. Well, that Well, that's what's so funny about this thing is... In the article, what is it? B. Tarunner says, like, this is not designed to get rid of silicon. Maybe not in OEMs, but I think it clearly is. This is the exact same specs as the mobile chips that are called the 6700M. Exact same. So, no, I think they are taking that and then and enabling it to, like, to the DIY market. Yeah. And just like instead of it being like 100 to 145 watts, they're like, let it go to 160. Yeah. Yeah. I, that's probably the correct answer is they weren't able to sell it to enough OEM manufacturers. Yeah, and in fact, let me look at this RX 6700. Yeah, so this is literally the same clocks as the laptop card too, guys. I, I think you can confirm that they're just taking it and giving it the full... They're just going to clock it. I, I don't know to what, actually. I think... What is the 6650 XT at? I think it's at like 180 watts or something. So I, I think they're just going to give it the same TDP as that. And it'll be like 20% better. So <laughs> there you go. Uh, but it is interesting that this is coming out. I think me and you can say we didn't really expect this to launch. No. <laughs> I, I, I did not expect this to launch, no. All right. So let us then move on. Let us move on. Igor's lab directly suggests Lovelace can't come out till September. Anyways, quoting again from Tech Power Up, an alleged technical drawing of the PCB of a reference design labeled ADA 80102 Silicon was leaked to the web courtesy of Igor's lab. It reveals a large GPU pad that's roughly the size of GA102 surrounded by 12 memory chips, which are likely GDDR6X. They are also provisioned for at least 24 power phases, which, by the way, I bolded that in the notes here, Dan, because I was told that's the power phases this would have had, but I couldn't tell anyone hmm. a while ago. So, although not all of them are populated by sets of chokes in Dr. Moss or D Dr. Moss, DR Moss in the final products, you guys have also put on timelines for the product development cycle of the next generation GeForce RTX products based on 8102, which again, everything in here, guys, I wasn't allowed to leak some of it a bit ago. This is. This is all lining up with what I was told that led me to confirm some of my lovely stuff a while ago. But it says, it speaks of a bill of materials releasing in June 2022. So yeah, which so I must have just had an early bill of materials before they released it. Design and validations running through the summer, June through August, with mass production commencing either toward the end of August or sometime in September, which leads to a late October or November release for these cards before they reach shelves. This 
leaves NVIDIA with quite some time to get the market to digest existing inventory of GeForce Ampere cards, which could see steadily decreasing prices and increased market availability. Thanks to the crypto crash, miners could pump the market with, well, it's not just the crypto crash, it's everything else, guys, come on. <laughs> but yeah, so there it is. Um, I think thought this was an important story for us to discuss because... I think what I've said is it's definitely possible they reveal Ampere, or I'm sorry, Lovelace in July, but right? am yeah. I wrong? Am I, am I misremembering? Me and you were hesitant to double down on some launch in July and saying, I don't think so. Yeah, and I think this points to maybe they'll unveil it in, like, what, August probably? Probably. Is... Pretty much same cadence as Ampere for the year. Yeah, which, I don't know if that's a good time if they can get it out in October. They have sales for the holiday season yeah and enough it, time to, and enough time to get rid of uh ampere and again i really do trust this because this lines up with a lot of the things i heard from sources about like the release cadence as well um this is funny to me because it just starts making me remember all the things we heard like people saying like oh if we have pictures of lovelace doesn't that mean it's two months sooner than before and it's like yeah, but do you know if the people that leaked the pictures before now know where to look sooner for the pictures to launch them sooner? Like, you know, it, it, that kind I mean, of stuff. Y you can't base a trend off of one data point. You can't even base it off of two. So Yeah. I, I think saying, well, based on when uh, we started seeing coolers leak, that this is going to come out in July. It's just like that. I, I, I would not bet money on... Uh, honestly, such a tenuous link between the two. Mm -hmm. Um. So I guess I'm trying to think if there's really much else I actually have to say about this. I mean, especially when you look at things like the RX 6700 coming out, you see this kind of it's quarter three. It's clear AMD and NVIDIA are trying to get rid of their old stock. They don't see a reason to rush out the next gen yet, especially let's just be honest with Intel taking forever to release Alchemist, I don't think these companies feel pressured anymore. And I will say this too, because I think it's very funny. I've heard directly from a contact that AIBs and distributors are furious about rumors of Lovelace launching in July because they're like, are you kidding me? We're already having to deal with decreasing <laughs> prices. And now we've got these fucking people on Twitter telling everyone it's coming out in July when it's not. <laughs> yeah. I bet that is annoying. Now, do I feel bad at all for these distributors and AIBs who have been milking the shit out of everyone? No, fuck you guys. <laughs> I hope you guys lose money on this. Honestly, I do. I, I, I feel bad for the micro centers and best buys that make only 20 to 50 bucks per card because, you know, whatever. But I, I do not feel bad for these AIBs at all that I've always been suspecting has been also lying to these mom and pop stores about how much it costs them to make the cards. But yeah, I really don't oh, baby, deal with it. They're selling them what they can sell them for. Exactly. And now you can't sell them for more. Get over it. Um, Falto PS5 Series X owner writes in and he says, thoughts on the PlayStation State of Play. I personally am looking forward to Eater Nights and, uh, or Eater Nights and Final Fantasy 16. I wrote that I should call him a weeb. 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 But yeah, no, Final Fantasy 16 looked cool. I do have it here as a final story, just briefly. Um, I don't know if you have much to say about it. Uh, there was the PlayStation State of Play. For me, the most notable... Well, there's two notable things. Number one, this one wasn't boring as hell. 
as they usually are. I threw it up in the background while I was working on the Intel leaks. Uh, and I think Spider-Man coming to PC is really exciting because I want to see some benchmarks of Spider-Man ray tracing on non-console hardware. The one thing that I thought would be hilarious is if it had NVIDIA black box ray tracing, but <laughs> I, I haven't even checked what, how they're doing it or whatever, and I doubt that. So I don't know. I think that's exciting. We're probably going to see some interesting console comparisons to desktop hardware for ray tracing and a game that most people, a lot of people, including me, point to is one of the most efficient implementations of ray tracing yet. But do you have any other thoughts from the PlayStation State of Play? No, not too much. I mean... The game's shown look cool. There, there's this kind of seems to be them saying them prepping the launch of PSVR two to me to an extent as well because they showed off a few PSVR games, which I'm sure Resident Evil eight will be really cool in yeah. VR. Resident Evil four uh, is exciting. Resident Evil four is exciting. Although I think anyone with a brain knew Resident Evil four remake was coming. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and uh, you know, all of the mount the. Horizon Call of the Mountain looks like it'll probably be cool. I'm curious how expansive, how large of a game that will be. Like, are they just like repurposing the map from Forbidden West and making it a separate expand? I, I have no idea how big it is. Because that's, I think, the big problem with VR is I just don't think there are that many like true full, uh, I would say, full games that are PS. I mean, are VR in general. Where I think the uh, the term a lot of people like to use with vr games is their vr experiences because they're mostly like two to three hours with the exception of like half-life it, half-life alex. it's half-life <laughs> alex and resident evil 7 yeah so it would be nice to see more game like it would be cool to see full triple a games actually on vr devices because that would possibly compel me to actually get one yeah i mean i even looked into like and i think i discussed this with the oculus dev um like fallout 4 elder scrolls i looked at the reviews for it and they were bad they were like this is mm. the laziest cast grab we've ever seen it's disorienting doesn't run well barely works and they charge you 60 dollars to get the exact same dlc again which is insane when resident evil 7 just gave it to you for free and i think 8 will as well like what a bunch of bullshit um yeah so i mean that's it i, mean, I guess borderlands too but it's like well i don't know why didn't you make tiny tina vr support or something yeah. And then I don't know, Final Fantasy 16 looks like it's probably cool. A lot less steampunky than Final Fantasy tends to be. Or whatever weird world you want to call Final Fantasy games. <laughs> yeah. But I don't know, that's pretty much all I have to say about it. Um I also thought mm -hmm. Final Fantasy 16 looks pretty cool. Tick Tickler writes in, he says, "Hypothetical question for you gents. You want to play a PS1 game that you loved growing up?" You can choose to conveniently play it on your PS5. However, if you do, you'll be playing the PAL version running at a poorly paced 25 frames per second. How would you play the game? On a related note, Tom, have you heard anything about the North American PlayStation Plus? Surely they wouldn't be that stupid. But I remember you saying the same thing in 2018 about PS Classics. Cheers. Uh, would they be that stupid? Pff, yeah, potentially. I don't, I wouldn't say, never put it past <laughs> any of these companies. Sony's dumb all the time. Oh, yeah. Um, and I, you know, it's funny. I was on sacred symbols again last week and Colin Moriarty's suggestion is maybe they use the PAL version, not just for like a licensing reason, but because it comes with like five different language options. They don't want to port two versions. And I'm like, I guess yeah. maybe, but like, could you not have sure. Couldn't have figured that I, I out though, guys. I don't know, man. You're 
launching what you call what's the top service called is it premium yeah i think no they, they have like a i think a special one above that or... it's like ps plus Who essentials <laughs> it's like you're branding this as a premium service that costs what 120 uh, yeah that's 120 dollars a year so 10 dollars a month and you're not going to put anything into it really you're just gonna play well, they have trophies forward. which surprises people but oh that's true but it, it's like you're not going to go for put with the effort to actually have the better rom of your game and uh, maybe put some work in it to have the extra language options maybe there's some reason that they can't do it maybe they lost all of the roms i don't fucking know but well yeah well and uh, what would i do probably put an emulator on a phone or something like honestly i'm just gonna get a playstation one emulator most likely if i wanted to play any of these games yeah wasted harold writes in i'm wondering where the prices of old games will end up in a few years after most if not all have gone digital i get the feeling that nintendo is a glimpse into the future they are still charging full price for launch titles even ones that are years old what do you think the future holds for older games well companies try to keep games at full price for longer on digital only games that by their nature can't have a used market well two answers to that one actually Number one, guys, games haven't even kept up with the price of inflation. So what do you think companies are going to do? This. They're going to make it so games don't go down in price that much over time. Having said that, I think Sony and Microsoft are still going to do sales that Nintendo doesn't do. Yeah, I mean, I'm curious to see how many more sales it really drives to drop the price because... When you drop, like Sony ha- clearly has breakpoints where it's like, all right, it's reached a certain sale number, cut, drop it to 40, then drop it to is it 30, or 20 or 30, I don't remember. Yeah, Sony clearly has some kind of targeted data where they go, at this amount of sales, if it slows down this much, you might as well drop the price to make more money, whereas Nintendo doesn't do that. Yeah, and I, I'm curious as far as like revenue generated goes, how successful that is versus Nintendo's strategy of just keep it at $60. <laughs> Yeah, I I would like to think that Sony's strategy works better because I think that's better for us. But well, you know, the reason Nintendo sticks by the strategy is because they have never opened Pandora's box. They've always refused mm-hmm. to lower the price, whereas Sony and Microsoft have always been willing to. And so once you're willing to, you might as well use a data approach. But with Nintendo, everyone knows they're never going to lower the price, and as long as they always never lower the price, people. Well, and then that, uh, that also might just be. I guess I don't know how Sony, if Sony or Microsoft have any hand in controlling the price of third parties, but I think that's probably part of it is Sony and Microsoft are more open platforms. So to an extent, their their first parties are competing against their third, the third parties on their own platform. Yeah. So there's, yeah. And then there's also that, whereas Nintendo has like the 20 games you have to buy. Yeah. And I, I know Nintendo has third parties, but not really. <laughs> comparatively comparatively not not nearly as much and i don't know i don't know what else to say but i think there will always be these sales and i i've got to say that i still think that they're going to still long term do this thing where like an a super old game is below five dollars because when it's below five dollars it's like an impulse purchase it's like oh i never played that game now it's two bucks i might as well add it to cart and i think you have to understand that like at a certain point if a game gets old enough no one's buying it because they have no need to, and you might as well make it an impulse purchase because, look, they're not going to buy it unless it is an impulse purchase. Yeah, and I do have to say that I think the fact that this 
Series X and the PS5 still both have discs. Um, shows that they're go that they think that's worth having, and at least their premium devices still. Where uh, when you buy into their premium product, they're uh, still competing against the used market for your dollars. Um, so I don't think Sony will remove the disc drive in their PS4. I mean, not PS4, PS5 Pro uh, refresh. Uh, I guess we'll see. Uh, and we'll see if they decide to remove it with the PS6, because if they remove it even at their high-end product, then, yeah, I think what they're planning on doing is going for a more Nintendo-style model. But again, even then, two things to that. Number one, you people keep complaining about the price going to $70 when that's not keeping up with inflation at all. Well, then this is what they do. They make it so the price never goes on sale, number one. Number two, I don't think they're going to completely copy Nintendo, even if they do do that. Yeah, I agree. All right. Let's move on then to the wrap-up. All right, here's the stories that don't deserve their own stories, but we should mention. One of them, it seems like Intel's 12th Gen i5-1240p beats the i7-1260p and 1270p because of slightly higher base clocks. Thus showing that Alder Lake really does, if you want to go to like 6 plus 8, it kind of needs to be a 50-watt chip to maximize its efficiency and performance. What do you... And again, guys, Raptor Lake's on the same note. What do you think is going to happen against Phoenix? <laughs> I don't know that I have much to add, but I think this is kind of a funny PSA. Make sure you look up specific things about these SKUs whenever you buy an Intel laptop, just so you understand what you're getting into. Because this is, again, kind of similar to what happened when they first went to six-core mobile SKUs, if you remember, Dan, and, like, tons of laptops are overheating. They're not overheating anymore, but they are, like, not always... E they still throttling, though, or...? Yeah, they're throttling to the point that the i5s outperforming some i7s. Yeah, and it's... I think you need a caveat that I think this was only based on one benchmark, but... It still, you know, like, shouldn't happen. That should not happen. Uh, that's one of the problems with laptops, though, is they, laptops love throttling. Um, let's see here. NVIDIA continues, <laughs> I called this NVIDIA continues their war on casual miners. Um, NVIDIA is still releasing updates to kill the 100% LHR unlock for RTX 30 graphics cards, which I just want to point out again. This doesn't stop anyone from using the last month drivers to mine at 100%. This just means if you're a gamer trying to recoup costs when you're not gaming, you're screwed over. I just think well, yeah, that's funny. Just, yeah, I, I guess that's just a subtle uh, move to tell people that want to mine and game, well, buy our non-LHR models. Yeah, I know. Um, and then, let's see. Oh, no, I don't need to touch on this anyway. There's people arguing over the math of Zen 4. I think that's beaten to death by now, even if we didn't hammer it home need to say i feel like this people i feel like half of the internet discover that uh, a fraction and its reciprocal give you different numbers and a bunch of people realized that two weeks ago i don't know <laughs> and some of them realized it after making complete asses out of themselves arguing about it on twitter <laughs> the fact that they're arguing over facts just so you guys know like one of my <laughs> my zen 4 video was a few drafts one of them i was way more mad at that part where i'm like 
Oh, the, like these people arguing about how algebra works. I'm like, I'm pretty sure we figured, uh, not algebra, how fractions and multiplication work. It's like, I'm pretty sure we figured that out about 2,000, 3,000 years ago, and you fucking idiots on Twitter can't even figure it out. Like, <laughs> we know <laughs> how fractions work, guys. We've known for thousands of years. Stop arguing with us. Yeah. But um, you saw a little bit of how angry I got in the first draft right there. Um, LG's new OLED TVs go up to 138 hertz 4K. They're <laughs> they're really hammering that we have the best gaming TVs. They really are. And I'm not. You you have an LG, right? Yeah, I have the uh, G1 that I got on sale for th- actually less than I believe the price of the C1 was, or was it CX? I don't know. You know, I think it was CX. Yeah, I mean, I. Th- Actually, looking at it, I mean, if there's thirty a thirty one, oh, that that's only yeah, the a thirty one inch. That's actually big enough to be a, I mean, small enough to be a monitor. <laughs> yeah, well, I don't think that's the OLED, Dan. I'm talking about the TV. Oh no, I'm stupid. No, it's it's still OLED is just forty seven inch. Yeah, I mean, they're clear. I think LG is clearly the most ahead when it comes to their LED TVs. I mean, OLED TVs. Yeah. I mean, 0.1 millisecond response times, 138 hertz. Man, I I don't know. I just, if you game on a TV at all, I just get the LG most of the time. Um, Oh, yeah. MI200 GPU clusters for large-scale AI training. 20% more performance over A100. That's why Microsoft's choosing MI200 GPUs, or really not GPUs, accelerators, WCCF Mm -hmm. tech. But, um, so yeah, again... Just pointing that out, guys. MI200's out, and Hopper is not. It's 20% better than the previous gen. So I'm just, I think people need to be ready for MI300 versus Hopper. Let's see. Intel Falcon. Oh, yeah, I wrote who cares. Intel Falcon Shores announced in Rialto Bridge. I tweeted this like um, Intel confirmed Rialto Bridge. So I think I was the first one to leak as the Ponte Vecchio successor. And I tweeted, who cares? Ponte Vecchio and Sapphire Rapids aren't out yet. Why are you telling us what comes out in 2024? I'm worried about Intel, guys. Um, Let's see. Oh, yeah. What is this here? This was another interesting one. I think we finally got like a another. we, We finally have some more ARC benchmarks and laptop and again what we're seeing is some pretty all over the place performance and like 50 percent gpu usage in some apps again their drivers aren't done um mm-hmm. lancaster sound has been uh leaked by intel themselves as well which i believe uh, i think it says kamachi and Saka said lancaster sound first and i couldn't find it in my notes but i swear someone mentioned lancaster sound to me before so I've definitely heard it before from someone. So um, I don't know. Just thought I'd point that out that, yeah, I think that's correct. I've heard of it as well. Got a, we got some more FSR 2.0 comparisons, which looks pretty impressive in, what is it? Farming Simulator was heavily quoted because that was like the <laughs> second game to get it. Now we got God of War. It does, Dan, seem like the consensus on FSR 2.0 is that it's not quite as good as DLSS 2.3 overall, but in 4K, it's close enough and better than anything before the other DLSSs, right? Isn't that seem to be the consensus in all of these comparisons? Yeah. Yeah, which AMD is still at a point where it needs to catch up to DLSS, but hopefully they do soon. I think it's about adoption now, though. It's close enough. Just get it in every game. 
Yeah. Uh, um, and we have RDNA 3 GPU supporting DisplayPort 2.0, which excites me because that was really annoying when I was looking at getting possibly an A5000 or A, A6000 GPU. It was like, yeah, but it only has four DisplayPorts, and there's no adapter to HDMI 2.1 that can hit, you know, the like 4K 144 hertz I could use with either USB-C or HDMI 2.1 right now. So I'm very excited for DisplayPort to leapfrog HDMI finally and not be so behind anymore. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's taken a while. Uh, HDMI has kind of just completely ran away. All right, then let us get to the final reader mails. P-T-R-E-L-S writes in, Hey, Tom and Dan, at what point with the discussions around Wi-Fi 6E and beyond do GPU slap a transmitter for wireless display tech? That way you could have it directly in the GPU to reduce latency to a VR headset or desktop display with display stream compression. I don't think it would be difficult to implement. Actually, that would be interesting if we didn't even use like HDMIs anymore half the time. We just put the desktop next to some monitors and it worked. I mean, that would be cool if it you know, uh, worked well and didn't have massive latency, which I think we're going to get there eventually. I, I don't know enough really about Wi-Fi 6C to say if, like, I think that's the point or if it will be the tech that comes after Wi-Fi 6C, though. I, I, I think something like that is bound to happen, though, because people like wireless and some people will even take a hit to latency uh, if they can make it wireless. Yeah, I think the killer app for that isn't VR, actually, because I think it works okay in VR now. And it, it, I think, I think, you know what would probably be the first device to do this? What? An APU. Eh, maybe. Because uh, then you could combine some of that signaling with the APU to cut down costs, and you're not going to add a GPU anyways that would be a, somewhat of a tall order to say, hey, we need you to add this part to the GPU. And then you could just have an advertisement for a laptop. It's like, put it next to your TV, project to the TV, and play video games. That'd be pretty sick, actually. Yeah, it would be. So I think that's where you'd probably see that first. But it's an interesting thought. I do think we're like mm, three gens away before they actually do that in a GPU as standard, like uh, Blackwell or something. But it'd be cool. Right. Yeah. 32294 writes in, after watching Broken Silicon 155, it reminded me about the idea of wireless PC VR headsets. I currently have a PC VR headset, and someday I end up playing VRC for extended periods of time, and I have enough problems with a 7-8 to eight hour battery life on my full body tracker. Really? All right. Well, I have a Vive Pro I myself. I've heard the Quest 2 only has two to three hours of battery life when using it wirelessly. Now, on my actual question, do you think companies are going to make batteries hot swappable or deal with the problem in another way? My dude, they already do. <laughs> yeah, you can uh, buy you can buy a uh, what uh, uh, an extra battery or not an extra supplemental battery for the Quest, can't you? I have one. Okay, okay. Yeah. <laughs> it was $60. It makes I got it actually for the more comfortable head mounting cuz in sh in like one hour play sessions once every few days it wasn't uncomfortable at all, but it started rubbing up against like the top of like my ears if I use the strap that comes with it. And so I'm like, let me get something else. I mean, clearly like this device enough to put more money into it. And it adds a battery that gives it like a 6 to 8 hour battery life right now. 32294 if that is your real name. Probably is. Yeah, that's probably what he's... is. Probably the name his parents gave him, yeah. Um, 
I, I think um, the, it's already solved. Not to mention, you, you got to understand, think about it. These VR devices are powered by a USB-C. What does that mean? You didn't. E I didn't even need that head strap with a battery in it, technically. What I could have just done is put a power bank in my pocket and plug the USB-C into the headset, guys. It is hot swappable now. If it's powered by USB-C, it can be powered by a battery bank. Yeah, oh, yeah, that's true. And actually, that's something I talked about with Colin Moriarty on Sacred Symbols is, you know... It, it occurred to me, the best of both worlds with, P, with uh, PlayStation VR 2 would be if it doesn't come wirelessly, but then they just say, hey, guys, guess what? Here's a USB-C dongle. You just plug into it. Uh, I mean, that's a possibility, but I don't know. I, I'm curious if that would, if latency would be an issue with that but i've been but, told that they had prototypes but it works fine with the quest 2 why would it not work fine with this newer device i mean just because you're adding an extra step to it <laughs> right like you're plugging in a usb dongle that then would connect to the ps5 i don't see that's any different than a wi-fi module connecting to it uh, you're probably right <laughs> i mean the way modern USB-C works dan it's just like half the time using yeah. pcie lanes so oh, yeah, that's true. So no, I, I it's feasible if Sony wants to do it. Um, Spamptum Neo writes in. He says, "I'll keep this short." Now that AMD has an iGPU on it, most likely all AM5 CPUs will as well. Once they have better software support, would it make sense to have Threadripper and Epic with the GPU on the respective I/O dies for extra boosts in productivity, or would they just put accelerators instead? Mm, well, I know of MI300 is an APU for a lot of the models, so. Um, no, I don't think they put it in the iGPU for that, though. I think they would, I think Epic has a large enough package, hey, hey, that I think they would just put a tile for a GPU because you're talking about server customers ordering a la carte, basically. Why take up IO die space yeah. when you have this giant package where they're probably like, just give us a good GPU attached to it? Could be wrong, but that's what I think they would do because even like Intel doesn't put GPUs on their server chips for a reason they would just with sapphire rapids apus that i've heard about they're just going to put a full tile mm -hmm. i mean that makes sense <laughs> okay um i mean that's basically it folks i don't know dan i'm getting tired you're clearly falling asleep so uh, seem to think i'm falling asleep when i'm not Tom. you're not falling asleep no you seem tired yeah. no i'm fine am i tired am i projecting like probably are Egg on my face, guys. I'm sorry. Oh, man. Have I done that a lot? Have I always thought you're falling asleep? Yeah, sometimes I think you think, like, my eyes are closing. I don't know if I'm, like, looking down or something. <laughs> I feel like you're getting really tired. Am I I'm wrong, though. You're not. No, I'm fine, bro. Okay, well, I'm tired. And I thought... I guess I'm projecting, guys. I guess... I, I'm, I'd, like, I'd like to apologize to the fans. I'd like to apologize my sponsors and i'd like to apologize to you dan thank you tom for well, and plug uh plug scott ackerman and adam scott's rotating music podcast that's always some dumb pun on the name of a band because they do that a lot the apology the apologizing thing honestly you know what would have been the funniest thing is if i just said whatever john cena said in my under in chinese to you <laughs> that would have been the just perfect that one out. Just if I just had it up next to me and I just started reading that and then we just <laughs> cold close the podcast and people had to Google, what the heck did he say? And why did he, and I'm like, Oh no guys, I'm reminding you that, uh, 
a Hollywood star apologize to a communist government. It's the most insane thing I've ever seen happen. (laughs) All right. I am clearly getting tired if I'm talking about that, though, in a gaming podcast. Pretty soon I'll be talking about Johnny Depp and Amber Heard, I'm sure. So, Actually, I probably won't because I really don't care about any of that. But that's going to do it for this episode, guys. Remember to subscribe to Broken Silicon on your podcast app of choice. Give us a review. That really helps. Subscribe to Moore's Law is Dead. Bring the bell button on there. And, of course, support us on Patreon where you can get this episode early and ad-free. Submit the reader mails you've been hearing read. Could be you. can talk to the fans and me afterwards on the Discord if you support us. And, of course, you can ask us questions and get Die Shrink, a completely Patreon-exclusive podcast as well. And there's also like free questions for loose ends for the right tiers, voting on subjects of upcoming die shrinks. There's it's a ton of stuff there for us. If you can even have $2 a month uh, to support us on Patreon, we can't do it without our fans. And um, well, that's it. I guess. Goodbye. Bye, everyone. This podcast was brought to you by the YouTube channel and website Moore's Law is Dead. Moore's Law is Dead and Broken Silicon are trademarks of their creator, Tom. That guy is me, and I am indeed the creator, editor, writer, and showrunner of Moore's Law's Dead podcast, videos, articles, and other media. However, I don't do this alone. Moore's Law's Dead is a team with Broken Silicon co-hosted by my brother, Dan, audio editing by Gerard Cortez, and special assistance by Carbon Cry. Find all of our information, including the information of sponsors you can support, at www.moreslawsdead.com. If you would like to send fan mail or hardware to us, please mail parcels to Moore's Laws Dead at P.O. Box 60632 in Nashville, Tennessee, zip code 37206. And speaking of fans, patrons are what makes Moore's Laws Dead content possible. The aging business model of spamming ads all over the content is dying. The future of media will be built on fans paying for the content they actually want to exist. And so if you have the extra money, but only if you do, please consider supporting us. For just $2 a month, you get access to the exclusive podcast Die Shrink, voting on subjects of future podcast episodes, the ability to have your questions read aloud on Broken Silicon, Die Shrink, and Loose Ends, and of course, access to the Moore's Laws Dead Discord full of like-minded people who would love to meet you and talk to you about computer hardware. I am one of them. Additionally, higher tiers get access to ad-free episodes of Broken Silicon, the entire back catalog of Flyover State's podcasts and other projects, Moore's Laws that is done, and thanks in the credits of videos and other perks as well. And hey, if you can't afford to support us, please do share Moore's Laws Dead videos and podcasts with friends and family on social media, Reddit, and forums. And give Broken Silicon a five-star review on Apple Podcast or your preferred podcast app. All of this really does help so much. And if you'd like to advertise on the podcast, hire Tom for consulting, or are a person of interest who would like to be a guest, please reach out to the email address mlhbdead at gmail.com. But as I said, this podcast would not be possible without its patrons supporting it. And so now it is time to give a personal thanks to the greatest of the fans. The following supporters are at the 10 gigahertz or higher producer levels. Brad Medlin, Drita Full, A.V., Anthony Greffa, Greg Pataki, Muhammad Al-Khwari, Brett Jones, Aaron Close, Little Germany, Jan Runner, Daniel Hyde, Ivan K., Brian Riggleman, Joaquin Hagen, Sam Miller, Deke, Thomas Rupp, Mechanical Philosopher, Terrence Harris, SNES Chalmers, Tom Bailey, Greg T. Wanchuk, Andrew S., Frank Zielinski, Daniel D, MJB1, Eric Jackson, Justice Brennan, Sammy Good, Valcom Alev, The Boss Haas, Nicholas Buckner, Spamtum G, Spamtum, Jonathan, Michael Johnson, General Drips, Blake, Franco Frederick, Matthew Lazier, Jensen Wang, Nathan Mose, Aziris, Gregory S. Acker, Dominique Cock, Jake Dude 23. 
Jake Martin, My Name is Nobody, Caillou Markelly, HardForeRoom.com, Original Ross, Zlicky, Stefan, David Cowden, Ricky Tan, Chris Frey Butler, Jeremy Scalens, Sarcastro, Stefan Hart, Jason B., Meat and Pork, Stu, Tim Robb, Luis Correa, Ian Clifford, Jesse Jaskowiak, Travis Gooding, Holden Moby, Nanny and Chris Rich, Deepest Learners, Matt Sutsu Taylor, Tri- Stefan Coates, Michael McKee, Chuck Glidden, Sammy Malas, Greg, Ah Trini, Patrick Groh, Ariel Chief, Brett Summers, Denny Nugent, Stephen Dick, Tommy, Kunden, Brucha, Mark Mitchell, Mac Daffy, Delmaine Peterson, James Anderson, Y. Truey, Mark Raidmaker, Seth Domings, 3DS Boy 08, Hal Buma, Norithio, Matthew Landabazo, Stefan, Call Attic, Henry Zhang, Judson N, F7GOS, The Grid, Michelle Pell, D31337 Antics, Jason Bowen, Noah Nicoella, Hexapuma, Chrysantine, Jerome Ferriera, Zabito 3, D Sis, Thomas A. Teef, Klein Britannium, DNA Tech, 50C Desert, Exo Cisneros, Royce Mayer, Charles Russell, Reginid Ari, Morphysis, Teak Autumn, Jackson Miller, JSMMH, Sandy, Garrido Saunderson, David Eastland, Cameron, Andre Jacques, Gaiman Six Reagan, Jeff Seller, Eric Osborne, Loophole 35, Windstar, Joker, James I. Roundner, Corey Leonard, Semi Molas, John Shin, and of course, thank you to Sahara for the music. <laughs>